there. Hello there, guys and girls, and welcome to episode 13 of Moving Picture Madness. My name is Matt Hudson, and once again, I am joined by the chief of beef himself. It's Hunk Tanyan. It's Ant. How are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome. It's another morning recording. Morning to noon record- <laughs> recording. Uh, I've got the biggest cup of tea uh, you could possibly make. I've got one of those... Um, it's a Sports Direct cup. No, it's it's like that, though. It's from the Rainforest Cafe in Disney. Oh, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's a big, fat... Like, it looks like tree bark on the outside. It's supposed to be like a tree with like animals on it and shit, but it's nice. very it's very good, and I'm enjoying my tea. How are you, how are you doing, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm good, mate. I've got a half a cup of tea and a cup of coffee to get me through, and I mean that in the best way, to high noon. About that cup, just before we go on, do you define, do you need to put an extra tea bag in for those big cups? I don't, know, um, okay. but I do put an extra sugar in. I have a couple of sugars in this because you just don't taste it otherwise, do you? That's what I mean. I have to. I like my top, my tea strong, so I've got to put at least. Uh, I, I, I slap the tea bag against the side and crush it until there's nothing left in it. That's what I like. <laughs> oh, I um, I I I do. I I tea bag my own drink. I are you, are you like a leave the bag in and, and float it around, guy, or you like slam it against the side? No, too? I leave it in. I put my I I dunk it up and down. Uh, tea bag <laughs> it, dunk it up and down. Leave and then leave it for a few minutes, then go back and do it again, and then crush it against the side. Which apparently is like heresy, but and then I uh, move the tea bag. <laughs> I do. I move the tea bag around the around the entire circumference of the cup because if there's any like crap lingering on it, it sucks it up, and and your tea comes out clear without any kind of like, scum or scale. And, even though I'm tea kettle. connoisseurs worldwide are losing their shit. Yeah, I know they're like the this heresy. isn't made from pure tea. It's not strained. Yeah, the uh, heresy of our tea making skills. Oh, tea bag. Um, but. Uh, enough of our, our tea talk. That's an extra show we're going to be doing soon with extra time and tea talk. Yes. But um, uh, episode 13, unlucky for some, but not for us, mate. What are we on about this week? Um, so we decided, I've got this big fat book, uh, 1001 Movies book, and we decided to sort of start a show where you randomly tell me a page number and then we watch said film on the page number. And uh, we picked one a bit back when we... Next time we do this, and we know we're going to do one of these shows, we're going to record us picking the movie, obviously, because then it's a bit, bit more exciting for everybody to hear. But yeah. this time we got the outlaw Josie Wales, didn't we, mate? Yes, mate. And it was I was proper tense when I... Uh, I can't remember what the page number was. Big Boy's got the book there. We'll, we'll put a picture on the socials of said page as well. Yes, I'll find I'll find the book in the page in a bit, yeah. But I, I, I gave Ant the page number. It was like 600 or something like that, 700. And I was like, oh, God, what could it be? Is it going to be like a classic? Is it going to be an an unknown like Italian uh, musical? Who knows? But it was the outlaw Josie Wales. We thought this would be a fire idea because, uh, firstly, what a cool idea. We've got this book. It's, it's wicked for reading, but let's use it for something else as well. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we might get to talk about said classic, or it could introduce us to films that we haven't seen before. Plus, yeah. and then we can have a discussion about it and... Uh, we thought it's not. It's like it's an unofficial series. It's not. Re- it's not really a series per se. Yeah, it's, it's, still, it's more or less going to function like the main show does anyway. Yeah, but it's, it's still a, a to... main episode. But yeah. we're gonna we're, we're gonna be every now and then we'll sprinkle some of these in and out. And we... it's fun for us as well, isn't it, mate? Because we haven't then got to think strategically about what we're going to talk about and why and all this. We just no, just did we like it? Did we yeah. not? And we'll go and we'll obviously dive into it. Um, and by doing it on the episode as well. Firstly, it shows that we're not cheating, so yeah. you'll you, you'll hear what we're going to pick the next episode. But we also thought, alongside the film, whatever genre or subgenre it aligns with, 
we kind of have a little, we have a little dive into that as well, just to um, just to add some seasoning to the steak. Yeah, yeah. What, what, however, we can extend the topic, we will do so, just so that we're covering more than just one movie. Because obviously, you guys who listen are used to us covering between two and ten. <laughs> yeah, like Paul that Thomas would... Anderson films. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, we thought we'd also mention some Western films at the end, like ones we've seen. That we like we didn't like some of the classics and just kind of um, like I say add, add a little bit of salt and pepper to the to the meat. But uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales in mate, uh, what's it all about? So this is a movie based on a book uh, by Asa Earl Carter uh, called The Rebel Outlaw Josie Wales. So just to get you guys up to speed without spoiling it, if you are interested in this, um, ju- just without without spoilers. Uh, the film tells the story of Josie Wales, a Missouri farmer whose family is murdered by Union militants during the Civil War. Driven to revenge, Wales joins a Confederate guerrilla band and makes a name for himself as a feared gunfighter. After the war, all the fighters in Wales' group, except for him, surrender to the Union officers, but they end up being massacred. Wales becomes an outlaw and is pursued by ba- bounty hunters and Union soldiers as he tries to make a new life for himself. So, if that intrigues you at all... Pause this, go watch it, come back. What what did you think of it, mate? Non spoiler wise, just just for the people who are who are wanting to go watch it. Okay, so for non spoiler, I love the way you said gunfighter. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, non spoiler. I, I like the film. I I hadn't seen this film. I was aware of its reputation in the uh, revisionist genre, uh, western genre. Uh, I like Clint Eastwood in most, pretty much most of the things he's in, apart from the Mule the other year. That was a cack. Um, but no, I, I, I thought this film was decent, mate. What about you? I liked it. I really liked it. It's, it's a wonderful little Western. I think we'll get into it more later, obviously, but if, if you're a fan of Westerns and especially the Eastwood ones, I, I don't think this one's going to miss for you. No way. Yep. Just like Eastwood, this ain't going to miss. So, um, with that, let's, uh, let's play, let's hit, have a spoiler warning because we are going to talk about the film, obviously. It, all aspects of it, stuff we liked, stuff we didn't, and that is going to include major plot moments, probably what happened at the end. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, the film's about two hours and 15 minutes long. Yes. Go check it out, come back, listen to us, see if you agree, and if you don't, tell us why you don't at the end. But um, Well, let's run with it then. What was what it about this film that you dug then, mate? One of the first things, don't know if this was just me, it felt like a video game to me. It felt like really like a video game. Like you get your opening cutscene, as it were. You get the you get the the protagonist put into peril in in a horrible opening with the with the bloody bluecoats coming to kill all his family. Um, then that sort of moves along, and you get a big action scene, mental action scene with him sat on it, just a, like a mini gun, just blasting everybody away. Um, and then you get there's a lot of like conversations where it's like npc conversations in a video game he goes from one place to another talks to somebody they tell him a bunch of stuff he's got to do something for them does something for them moves to the next spot it's like it's very video gamey the setup sort of thing but um philip kaufman wrote this as well Mm -hmm. and um i was just looking at some of his credits did you know he like helped write indiana jones uh no i didn't but i do now yeah so he's he wrote this eastwood directed obviously he helped Lucas develop um, Project Indiana Jones, as it was called back in the day. And, uh, it's an interesting fact already. Yeah, he also directed the right stuff, which is uh, yeah, I, I knew really that one. Still. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done a few things, um, Philip Kaufman, but I didn't know he did Indiana or helped write Indiana Jones. Yeah, well, how 
many films has Eastwood directed as well now? I, I knew he'd been directing for like a long time, but I didn't know it went this far back. Was he directing like the older westerns as well? Uh, not the old, old ones. He was starring in some of them, but... Uh, yeah, his was he first directing one, like anything before this? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if he had or not. I, I have to th- think about that one. But I know his first film role was uh, A Fistful of Dollars, his first like leading role, and that yes. was obviously a few years before. Well, yeah, it's, it's really, really horrible opening to the film, isn't it? It's uh, it's quite shocking to see at the start, and um, that sort of sends him on his way to being this classic lone gunman character that we've seen a billion times now, but he does it better than anybody, doesn't he? He's scared to get close for anybody, a fear of losing them, and you get some good banter with that because he he's not really asked about having anybody near him, is he? He, he? he can't afford to lose anybody else. We've seen a lot of characters like that, but, yeah, mm-hmm. he does it brilliantly. He's, he's such a man, isn't he, Clint Eastwood? He's like he's one of the most cake. manly men ever. He is a hunk in this film as well, all jokes aside. He's a proper handsome man. But... He's just a chiselled man. He's just, he's, you sit and stare at him and he's just half face in the shadow, just leg up against the wall. He's just a very cool man, isn't you know, he? Exactly. And you, you, could, you obviously know who I thought he looked a bit like when I was watching this. I was like, I know a northern guy could pull this off. <laughs> um, yeah, that opening, mate, when his family are just burning to death and you can hear his son in the house yeah, it's and it's like awful. fuck and then and then when when Josie is you know dragging his son's corpse underneath a blanket yeah. and his hand falls out I'm like god damn then the grief of father burying young son and this is the opening of the film so they don't waste yeah. time Clint Eastwood doesn't waste time with story he's like this is what this is the setup the man is extremely grief ridden and he wants revenge I'm going to tell you that in the first three minutes of the film and now yeah. we spend the rest of the film with uh, Josie joining this guerrilla band, and then when the war's over and they decide to uh, join up with the uh, the Blue Coats, and it's Josie and Jamie, I believe the dude's called mm-hmm. uh, the the kid, yeah, yeah, Jamie, played by uh, uh, Sam Bottoms. They decide to go their own way and become Mavericks, and that's where Josie becomes the outlaw and gets his name from. But I hadn't really thought about the video gamey aspects of it, but what, now I think about it, you're, you're right, it is very video gamey because. You could imagine, couldn't you? You, get, you go from place to place. He gets a new sort of NPC to give him a mission. That's it. And then, then you've got, but then you've got like some, and... a couple of couple of uh, things, moments you've got to beat, like a couple of bandits or outlaws you've got to beat, yeah. or bounty hunters in amongst like, the bigger um, set pieces. Um, obviously, the scene where they cross the river and they shoot. He shoots the rope and leaves the um, the the gorillas after him, which I thought was a wicked I love scene. The, I love that scene. There was like. A real change in the score in that scene as well. It got really like whimsical. Yeah, yeah, it did, scene. didn't yeah. it? Um, but then, and then you've got those two, the, the two um, bandits who have trailed in there, and they get offed, of course. But that's like a again a video game scene where you you've got a, you've got two bullets and you've got to shoot these guys. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, mate. I I well, the first thing I took from this, the main thing is that Josie Wales just spits on everything. Yeah, the ground <laughs> corpses, scorpions, beetles, dogs. And why has he always got like black spit? Well, I think it's tobacco, isn't it? Is that what, yeah? He's I guess on the tobacco, it was. Isn't it? But there's yeah. a bit at the end where, <laughs> where the uh, where the the women, um, Sir Sandra Locke's, Sandra Locke's character Laura Lee and Paula Truman's granny, they're singing and they're dancing and they're playing the accordion for Josie, and he's standing there, hand on hip, and I expected him to spit on them, just like. <laughs> but instead, he chose the dog. I was like, okay. How- how good, and I can't remember all the names because, as always, everybody knows on this podcast I'm awful at remembering names. Mm. But how amazing is the sort of supporting cast? L- Lone Watty, I remember his name, obviously. Chief Dan he George, is, yeah. He is the video game NPC. He's a <laughs> like king, he's, he is. He's a legend, and 
you get obviously like you get the the scenes where the, the, the granny says, um, "Oh, it's amazing back and forth." Where they're saying like, "What does he say?" He says, um, "Oh, we're going to get these redskins." No offense, and he goes, "None take." That's it. And then like <laughs> at the twenty end, minutes yeah. later, they, they come back round like the blue coats come back round. He's going, "Are we going to get these pale faces?" No, <laughs> no offense, offense. And he's <laughs> none taken. <laughs> so good. That's the what Eastwood's so good at is is in, is injecting little bits of. Not of, of comedy because they gags pretty it's, much. It's you. It's it's just makes them feel human. The, yeah. Every character in this feels human, and and nobody in this is perfect as well, which is a, which is a good thing because no. it was a bad time at, the, at this time, wasn't it? Nobody nobody was perfect back in the West and stuff. It was it was every man for themselves more or less, and especially Clint Eastwood's character in this. Well, that's that's what the uh, these films do. This is part of the re- revisionist Western genre. And those films, what they did, they were more seventies type films or late sixties. They took the Western films and they they made them grittier, which I hate that word, but more grounded. Whereas the older mm. Western films were very much good versus bad, and that was it. Yeah, the good guys and the heroes and the villains. This is a little bit more blurred now because Josie Wales isn't necessarily a hero. He he is the guy no, you're rooting for, no. but he's got layers. He's got shades. If he was around today, he'd be a terrorist. Like exactly, he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a nutter. If he runs through your town, you, you're terrified, aren't you? It's just as far as the public know, they 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 want the blue coats to look after them, and this guy's going and killing a bunch of them. So it's it's basically a dude killing police in the street, isn't it? It's, it's pretty much, crazy. Pretty much just a renegade, but um. So that's that's why that's what Clint Eastwood does quite well. Was first to get like you mentioned those the, those characters where they were like ambiguous and morally a bit. Which way do they lean? But his films have always got these kind of gags in them, which just help lighten the tone a bit. Yeah. Things like, even like Million Dollar Baby, one of the best films I've ever seen, had a couple of moments where it just just to lift the utter sort of like gloom. And this film's no different. He's, he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant at that. His characters do all like we said, like I said, always a bit of humor injected. They feel very human. I, I love the supporting cast in this. I really did, and it feels like. I don't know if this is like another uh, a mental comparison, but don't you think it felt like it, it's kind of like the Fellowship of the Ring of westerns? It's a massive adventure. There's so many westerns that take place in just one town or saloon. one little area, and yeah, and the saloon, and you keep going back to the same place. This is such a they're, they're going all the way across Missouri, aren't they? They're trying to get to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, they go through Texas as well. Obviously, you meet just all these different people, and all this different stuff happens, and it's basically all just at the expense of everybody's after Josie Wales. Yeah. He's, he's not safe anyway. And they make that really clear. He get, when they get to um, the town at uh, Santa Rio, they go to this empty saloon and he's like, I want a whiskey, beer. And they're like, we haven't had that here for, for forever. So he comes back in with crates full of whiskey and he's like, right, let's all get pissed on me. But then even, even then he's tracked down, there's bounty hunters there and he's having, he, he takes one of them out. So even then, he's not safe anywhere. Everyone is after him. There's a big bounty on his head. But I think it's five thousand bucks. He can't go anywhere. Yeah, and even even the people who he thinks he can trust are so willing to turn on him after a short amount of time. That's aren't it. They? And it's and his mate. Where's his mate? Yeah, Fletcher, played by John Vernon. Fletcher. He he does great character. He's great. He does go with the with the uh, the union. At the he beginning. doesn't really have a choice in the moment, does no, he? he? Doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about what he did because. You can kind of tell when he's advising the blue coats that he he doesn't want them to win. Like he, he's literally, it's either one or two ways. Like you can look at it. He's advising the blue coats on what to do so that 
they don't get killed because he knows Josie's just going to kill them all. Mm. There's a scene when they're going across the boat ride sort of thing. And um, <laughs> is it Lone Watty in that scene where he says to, he says to Josie, he says, um, you can't take on all those men. Have you seen how many there are with just one gun? And he's like, have you never heard of a Mississippi boat ride? <laughs> and then he just, <laughs> he just shoots the rope and the boat just starts floating and the horses are all falling off, obviously. That scene, the guy, what's, what's his name again? There was was it was it him or was it was it the salesman? Yes, it was the salesman. That was it. That yes, was, yes. I think his guy, name is Carl. The was telling the whatever it was in the um, in the bottle, was, and he wouldn't drink he it. He kept calling it elixir or uh, liquor or yeah. elixir. I think his name was Carpetbagger. Which but, but Fletcher in that moment says, I, "I think you better just go back." And they were like, "No, of course we're not. We'll trap him on the edge." And, they, and he's like. Listen, I think you better yeah. just go. Back. <laughs> he is just like <laughs> we're going. He's going to shoot the bloody rope. He might have said. Yeah. And I was thinking yeah. during it because I watched it yesterday. I was like, shoot the rope, just shoot the rope, and that's this is going to be hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. And he did. But how cool is he that he's just like he knows what he wants to do? I was, I was obviously you think in these scenes you're like, well, what would I do to stop him here, or what would I would I set off now, or would I try and shoot at them? And obviously shooting the ropes the obvious thing. He sat asleep against the tree, and he's just like, I'll just wait till in the middle, and then yes, the. Yes, the kid goes, they're, they're coming, Josie, they're coming, Josie. And he's like, <sighs> and then just gets on. up and just shoots it. Oh, it's so cool, isn't he? Um, yeah, and that's brilliant. And I, I, I agree with you there, mate, because they, they do make this big and sprawling uh, film. It's Bruce, Bruce Surtees is a cinematographer, and he's wicked. He uh, did Dirty Harry, a Planet of the Apes mm. film, and obviously this film, and he's it escaped from Alcatraz as well. And he makes this look so good. There's... Um, they, that's just, the sunset horse rides in the desert are beautiful, Brilliant. like the orange, Brilliant. the wilderness, even and then even things like the forest scenes. And when he gets into these smaller towns, it all looks it looks big and expansive, but it also just looks beautiful. And it, 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 did you expect it to be like this? Because obviously neither of us have seen it. I've heard bits about it. My dad really loves this film, mm-hmm. and he's, he spoke about it before. But I didn't know it would be this sprawling. When it, when it, the outlaw Josie Wales, I expected all oh, this infamous outlaw in this town. Like I didn't expect, like I said, this big, the big adventure no. that you basically go on. There's, there's a lot more adventure than there is action, even isn't. I'd it? say so. I didn't think it'd be like a cross country or like multi state chase. I didn't think it'd be like yeah. that. Yeah, it's brilliant. But I'm, I'm glad it was because it's bloody good. But I think the more we talk about this, I think I think I, I like this more and more. You know. Oh yeah, I, 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 I did it. I enjoyed it when I was watching it as well. And sometimes yeah, yeah. you do need a bit of time just to, even if it's like a couple of hours to sit on it. And then mm. the more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking. Do you know what? When you mentioned the video game side of it, even that obviously wasn't what Clint Eastwood was thinking of, but it, it in a modern mm. day, that is how it could be uh, seen. And it works like the like the structure of the film, and it works. These character moments work. You mentioned the supporting cast, and I agree. John Vernon, he's, he's called Fletcher. He does side with the Union when uh, Josie Wells doesn't. Probably a good thing as well, because the Union then massacre the guerrillas. And at the end, that's when we know Fletcher isn't. He, he was basically playing the yeah. union for yeah, a fiddle because yeah. he knows damn well that's Josie at the end yeah that what I was saying earlier obviously about not knowing what to feel about his character is obviously prior yes, to getting course, this yeah. information you get mm. at the end but the thing is he's the one who's there at the end to sort of identify and lie that this guy is Mr Wilson yeah. and so if he'd have gone over and not sided with the blue coats at the start he wouldn't have been there to do that because they declared Josie Wales dead at the end, don't That's they? That's right. He said he was cut cut down by Indians. He took a few out, but um, couldn't yeah. take them all. And 
Oh, and it's so legendary. The way they did, the way they, that, the dialogue in those scenes is legendary. And he says, I think that might have been a lie. And then he's like, why? Let me say this. He's like, Josie Wales wouldn't die to five Indians. That's it. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, it was so but, but the way it's framed and set up as well is that Fletcher goes, he's got, got his hand it's on tense, his, isn't he's it? got his hand on his gun and he walks outside and it's almost like that. It's almost like the, going to be the cliche, you know, shootout outside the yes. saloon at the OK Carl. I was expecting that. And because Josie walks out as well and he kind of, he almost looks like on his face, it's like, Let's 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 get this done with. Yeah, let's just do it. I'm down. I'm, I'm tired of running. If you're going to kill me, just kill Fletcher's me. like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Mexico and look for Wales himself and try to tell him the war's over. And then then Josie Wales, he's, wicked way to end it. He says, "Shall I go? Shall I go to Mexico?" And he says, "I reckon so. I guess we all died a little in that damn war." And just rode off. And I was like, "You." boss and so yeah we it's get that so Fletcher is says, you don't know what I'm gonna let him have the first move I owe him that yes it <laughs> if you don't know where Fletcher's loyalties lie but in the end he's got a great beard and he's with he's with Josie till the end Sam Bottoms is very good as Jamie uh Chief Dan George like you said is lone weight he uh he was in a little big man with Dustin Hoffman a few years back uh 1968 I covered it on astrology of book and that film is <laughs> problematic in 2020 but he's very good in it Chief Dan George he was nominated for Best supporting Oscar. Uh, Sandra Locke is very good as Laura Lee. And Bill McKinney is yeah, like the gurning bad guy. Where he's like sleeping with that girl. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and the do- camera pans to him and he goes, I guess I'm not that old hmm. after all. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they- And the score, at the time, I was expecting like some like, again, the score to add a bit of levity to that scene as if, as if like to pay off the joke. And the score's really dark. And I was like, hold on, what's going on? Like, what, what are we doing? That's it, because they're both watching a obviously wash herself in the lake aren't they and it's like it's uh, you know just two blokes yeah. ogling a woman oh, <laughs> there's a lot of that there is a lot of that so um, bear that in mind but then yeah, the ne- and then you see the next scene or the one of the next moments is the uh, let's call him place him in the category of elderly uh, chief <laughs> basically sleeping with someone at a third of his age with a grin on his face just looking I'm at guess I'm not that old so um <laughs> That's what kind of film we're in here, in for here, yeah. guys. But it's a but, film out of time in the sense it was made in the seventies, but out of time in the sense it was made about a different time in the past as well. Like, yep. And then, it, and then you get the gorillas try to uh, sexually assault uh, Sandra, uh, Sandra, uh, Laura Lee. Sorry, Sandra and Josie comes to save the day. In the both, he's just even is that, uh, is that the scene in the trading post? Yes, in the trading post when he's wow, when he's, when, that when is they, such a good scene. They tell him to hand his guns over, like but so but so he holds him by the barrel. And then he spins them both in his hand and just takes them both out. I don't know if you noticed, that oh, scene mate. is the only scene where you get a um, a blood spatter from a gunshot. Uh, I, I remember the blood spatter, but I didn't know that was the only one, no. Well, can you remember at the start when he was shooting with the minigun and everyone was just falling over? There is absolutely no effects like, on that bit. There's, there's no blood packet stuff. There's, no, there's nothing. I mean, it didn't really take away from it because I'm like, yeah, it's film anyway but it i was expecting none and then in that scene he obviously shoots and there's two big like blood spatters come out of these guys like chess so i saw the blood but i hadn't i hadn't kind of put two inches together there but um well he said he saves the day there so obviously he's not this is the anti-hero status we're saying he may be you know a killer a, a, a mercenary killer but he has a conscience and he wasn't going to let obviously something as disgusting as that happen um and he takes the scene where he out. stands in the doorway as well is any time you see Eastwood is one of the only actors on the planet who is a silhouette. Yeah, you don't even need to see him and you know who it is. And it's so reminiscent of obviously the scene we get in the 
first episode of Mando, when we introduced yeah. the Man- the Mandalorian, it was exactly that scene. And it's, it, I mean, it's not just sort of taking inspiration from this in Mando. So many films have done that scene where just just backlit in the saloon or in the room or whatever. And but it's, it never doesn't work. It's never not legendary that scene. Yeah, man. Yes, Clint Eastwood is synonymous with so many things. One of them is sort of like looking while squinting at the same time. The silhouettes, some of the quotes he's given from like Dirty Harry and all of his Western films. But Clint, the the way they frame him in this is brilliant. And as soon as he enters that outpost and you see him silhouetted against the door, you know damn well that those bandits haven't got a chance. And no. um, it wasn't um, it wasn't Laura Lee, sorry, that they were um, they were about to assault or were assaulting. It was um, <laughs> it was uh, Lone Waitie's girlfriend, uh, Little Moonlight. Yes. Uh, Geraldine Keem's character, her, and um, which is again, you watching that, you're like, this is awful. Put a stop to this, come on. And he does, and he makes it look cool as well. And then later on, he does it again when when Laura Lee is in trouble. He goes to take down all of the uh, Union soldiers then as well. But um, so he does come to the there's, aid there's, there's a when guy needed. With the soldiers, and he's like, um, what's he say? He's like, um, oh, get off it, get off it, get. Uh, he's like, get off you bandits or whatever. And, and you like think he's sticking up for. It. He's like about the guy who they take him to he's like he'll want a clean lady i'm like oh for fuck's sake that's it yeah it's I thought like, be a decent guy here and he's just he's just no nope. nope. but in that scene where where uh sandra's in the back of the well, sorry where laura i keep getting her name exactly laura lee laura's in the back of the um wagon and she's kind of cowering from these horrible horrible men there's oh, one yeah, old guy the at the front who's just he looks like he might enjoy what he's doing he's just oh, staring yeah. with the most like sadistic look on his face i was like are you acting or you really are? <laughs> are you really and that creepy? One of them stands there, doesn't he? He's like, get get your hands off that girl. She's worth 20 horses if we can get her back. And then he's That's like, it. If, if you want to go, go over to that old lady over there. She's maybe worth half a donkey. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then Josie's just hanging around. They're like, you guys, you haven't got a chance here when our boy is hanging around. But um, And yeah, because he, he saves the, he later saves the chief, isn't he? And granny in that same moment later on from those guys. Because uh, Chief <laughs> Chief uh, is watching, but he catches their attention because he, he slides down the hill really comically. It's like comically slowly just falls down the hill. <laughs> um, so he gets captured and then Josie turns up and he's like, hell is coming to breakfast. I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and there was just so many great lines in this. Uh, Don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining. I didn't yeah. know what that means, but it's a qu- quality line. Yeah, I've got that one written down. I couldn't remember who said it, though. It was one of the. Uh, I don't. I thought it may have been Fletcher, John right. Vernon's character. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, beautiful looking film. Clint Eastwood is great. This I loved how you mentioned the supporting cast because in a Clint Eastwood directed film with where he's a star, especially a western, he kind of gets a lot of the focus. But there's so much here that go that that works. And later on in the film, when he when he goes to make that kind of the life or de- death deal with ten bears. The, uh, the leader of the the tribe, mm. I thought that was Great I thought scene. that the uh, it was the Comanche tribe leader. Sorry, yeah. I thought what's going to happen here because is he because they all expected him to go there and be killed. He's and, like, I'm here to bring you death, and I'm here to bring you life in equal parts, and you're here to bring me one of those two. Which it's, one, basically? Yeah, it's great. 
So they're gonna he's gonna live the Comanche way of life. He's agreed to um like brand his cattle and have yeah. the Comanche squiggle on their door. So um, he says he'll only he only eat what they need to eat, and any time that they come down, they can eat too. And he's he's being as reasonable as he can possibly be. Most reasonable he? he's ever been. He's like, I'll stay out of your way, and when you guys sod off, I'll make sure the place stays safe, and I'll do a bit of hoovering, a bit of dusting. And you're thinking, oh, this guy's he's gonna and settle they, they down seem now. To respect Josie because. He's gone against the blue coat. That's right. They? Yes, that's right. Because he said he says you can you can move freely and you, know, you can pass in peace. Basically, and he's like, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, um, you think is he going to settle down now with uh, with Laura? They can have a family. Oh, great! And then and then you see uh, Terrell turn up, like the leader of the bad guys, Bill McKinney's character. He turns up, and then all of the cavalry turn up. The good guys they're in the cabin for the final stakeout, and they're all given their instructions. You know, fire through here. If it all goes to pot, just go absolutely berserk, Josie tells yeah, him. Just go says, wild. Get nasty or you'll die. <laughs> That's it, because they're going to come through the roof and basically you're going to have to do whatever it takes to survive. He says, if any of you get shot, just pour fire on it because it's the quickest way yeah. to stop the wood. <laughs> and they do that, don't they? To um, I think to Chief, he gets yes. shot and then, they, oh, and then they cauterize his wound. Uh, I love that stakeout scene at the end because uh, Josie takes a hit, doesn't he, from Terrell. And then he goes to chase. He, he takes down everyone along with the along with Chief, along with Laura and Granny as well. And um, a little Moonlight, sorry. She's taken him down as well. It was great. And then Josie chases after Terrell and they kind of have their standoff where he's, sh- where he's shooting him. We've got no bullets, but he's going towards him and he's just pulling every pistol he can. Nothing's coming out, but it's like, is one of these going to have a bullet in? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And he just keeps flicking the two guns, doesn't he, between them until one fires a bullet. That's it. And then the other guy, and then uh, Terrell gets his massive sword out and ends up, well, he gets impaled by, by Josie. Josie. Josie impales him, but there's so much good stuff in this film here, mate. And this, without, obviously, without ending the conversation, because there's more to say, I'm sure, but this is why these kind of like, like mini side off, not quite official series are going to be boss because we're going to get films like this where we haven't seen that we may or may not have heard of from a genre which uh, we, we we appreciate. And it's going to be like, do you know what? That was quality, actually. I really enjoyed that two hours watching this film. And I'm trying to think, was there anything in it which you didn't really like or you thought wasn't quite up No, to no, honestly. And that's one of the reasons why I said, once we started talking about it, because I watched this about seven o'clock this morning. So nice. I've, I've literally watched it today. And so obviously I'm <laughs> bouncing straight off it. And it was... Yeah, there's not not much I've got to pick against it, and I was glued to the screen. You know how you can tell sort of how entertain how entertained you are by something just just even subconsciously. You just pick your phone up, don't you? If something's not really yeah, yeah, yeah. you just do. I I can tell like sort of I was joking about it before, but I can tell which episodes of Clone Wars are a bit naff when I start scrolling through Twitter instead. Ah. But um, D Squadron, I, honestly, mate, I didn't. My eyes didn't leave the screen with this. I was, I was, I was loving it. I, I was absolutely loving it, and it does feel again like it feels more like an adventure than it does like an action flick. And I think that helps it a lot. It's again two hours fifteen minutes. It's not a quick one and done. There you go, shoot a few guys in a saloon western. There's so much to it. Um, yeah. And again, like you said, it's the it's the positive of doing this with the, with the movies is that. I would. What situation would you or I have been in, really, if it wasn't specifically to cover it for a pod, where we would have watched this film today or yesterday? Without without any any pods that we do, not that they, it would have been slim. Not because I wouldn't want to watch it, but this, you know, there's so many films to watch, isn't there? Yeah, even if you did a top ten westerns, I don't know if this makes most lists. So you still might not have watched it. 
Yeah, this film is uh, has been well received. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. On it's ninety percent RT, uh, which is you know critics seem to think this is good, and most fans do as well. But because there's so many westerns, there's so many famous westerns, and of course, famous doesn't always equate to good. But yeah. there's so many westerns out there. My mum has actually banned my dad from watching this film because he's put it on that many times. <laughs> and and I've I, that's when I used to watch. Like, I've seen tons of westerns. I do want to rewatch a bunch now. I've been watched this. Yeah, yeah. It's just given me the itch to watch a, a load of them, but. Um, I've seen loads of them when I was a kid, but they all kind of blend together as well. I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of them again as an adult, so I do definitely mm. need to do that. No, honestly, it it, it captures even though as I said, it's a revisionist look at the Western genre, it captures that feeling so well. Yes, of there's a, there's there's a a palpable kind of atmosphere across the whole film, even in the times when it does get a little bit slower because it's not a fast film. No, it's no, not it's two not, hours no. fifteen minutes of pure. Like balls to the wall. It's. Yeah. It I like before that though, as well. For sure, yeah. Uh, if it's too much action, then it does just become this guy is the Terminator. Josie Wales yeah. is unkillable, yeah. and yes, he is an absolute machine and gets himself out of situations where you probably think. Hmm. But they they sp- they space the action out just well enough for me, and I think yeah. it's great. And I said every that, time, the you, every time you sort of start to feel that right, where are we going here. The film sort of and Clint Eastwood the know, happens. Yeah, they know that, and then they go right. Here you go. Here's this. Honestly, and it's got that great. Uh, so you know you're a Western fan, but it felt like a Western to me, though. It, it didn't. It might not have felt quite as hokey as some of the old ones, but it had that Western vibe to it. And like you say, with things like Mando and other more modern Western films, they capture that. There is an aesthetic. There is a tone you've got to hit. Mm. Uh, whether it's visual or the atmosphere, but they do it here. And Clint Eastwood, there's not much he, there's not much that he's directed that I don't like. I think he's a wonderful director. He doesn't always hit, but for the most part, for the very, very vast majority of the time, Clint Eastwood films are you boss. S- you I said think, a minute ago about um, Million Dollar Baby being one of the best films you've ever seen. So, it, Million Dollar Baby is one of the best films I've ever seen. I and Clint Eastwood directs that. He stars in it. And things like Mystic River the year before, which um, I don't did he win? But he won Best Picture for that year. No, he didn't. He didn't win Best Picture for that, but he did for Million Dollar Baby, I think. Uh, stuff like that is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's not much that he's done which I don't like. And he does kind of get obviously he gets pigeonholed as the like we have as well, the kind of tough, brooding loner type character. He plays but the same character in Gran Torino so well. as like a 120 year old, however old he is now. <laughs> and he's the same guy like he's the like just not to be messed with it'll it'll just mess you up if you go near him and he's still got that that gaze and that fear in for everybody else's eyes like when he when he's there just he's still got that at that age in that mm-hmm. film same effect and he he play he does play in his older age late 90s he does kind of play early 90s where he does play kind of old statesmen who have been brought out of retirement or for like they've got one last gig in them whether that's a boxing coach whether that's a fighter or whatever but or a drug runner but so he does kind of play that an awful lot but he plays it so well yeah yeah he plays it so well i mean there is such thing as like typecasting but i mean he is really old so he's gonna be playing an old guy isn't (laughs) he old as balls (laughs) but he makes those balls look so good He did Richard Jewell last year, which I liked that. The Mule wasn't a fan of that. Fifteen seventeen to Paris. That was interesting. But that yeah, actually, sorry, yeah. His twenty eighteen output I wasn't a big fan of. The fifteen seventeen to Paris I thought was a bit poo. Mm. The Mule, I thought that was boring. But most things before that I've really enjoyed. 
Yeah, yeah. He's he's brilliant. And I think it is quite easy in in his iconic career as playing the Cowboys that he played in his time, it's kind of easy to forget what a great director he has become since then. And, and he was back then as well. Yeah, he knows his stuff. And just looking at the poster for the, the Outlaw Josie White, such a classic poster of just him looking like an absolute monster, oh, yeah. looking like a young Wolverine with his guns out. <laughs> And it looks, he looks like, um, if anyone knows you, uh, rock band UMI, he looks a bit like the uh, foppish frontman Tim Rogers. He looks so cool in this. He's got a scarf around his neck. He's Speaking got his- of um, Young Wolverine as well, I think that that's a film, isn't it? Uh, Logan takes a lot of um, sort of Western cues without actually being a Western film. There was a lot of times in this where he sat there, just obviously, as you say, looking like, he does look like, uh, Hugh Jackman at times, doesn't he? Yeah. Maybe he think, has. has Hugh Jackman ever played a cowboy? He's too much of a tank to ever play a cowboy, I think, isn't he? Uh, what is that? In- he, uh, there's a film where you can't, uh, a Van Helsing type thing. He's not a cowboy, but he's a vampire hunter. Yes, yeah. The closest yeah, yeah. thing I can come to. He, he would have to stop eating for 10 years at this point to be thin enough to be a cowboy, wouldn't he? Ooh, he's such a beefcake, isn't he? Yeah, big time. But I guess Logan is the kind of superhero cowboy at the time. But that was a Western film, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, it had an awful yeah. lot of Western influences. And- uh, was James Mangold did um, 310 to humour as well, didn't oh, he? Yeah, oh, mate, yeah. James Mangold did that. And that's clearly, you can see the um, comparisons between them yeah. in terms of style. That was uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. was like, yep, just those two indeed. Just like, yep, just sign me up. That's a really decent Who's the other guy in, um, in that film? He's great in everything. Um, is it Ben something, maybe? No, I don't know. We will find that. We will find out f- for you imminently, guys. <laughs> Through technology. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Peter Fonda, Ben Foster. Ben Foster. So Not yeah, that Ben, ben right. Foster for the in- England football fan. Alan Tudyk's in it. Logan Lerman uh, turns up. Gretchen Mole, Peter Fonda, as I mentioned there. So, so we, we've we've randomly done this, mate. But shall we go on to some other westerns we like? Because I think we've covered everything in. Um... In Josie Wales, great film. I, I've I've sort of in speaking about it now. I think I do like it even more. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I was going to say. As as a, as a as a as a final um, crudité, yeah. Jo- uh, the outlaw Josie Wales was bloody awesome, and it was a wicked was, way to start off the one thousand and one journey. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was a wonderful adventure. That's that's the kind of way I describe it. It's you can just get lost in it, especially. <clears throat> obviously everybody being stuck inside all this stuff you want to just go get lost in a mm-hmm. western that's not as i mean it is at times but not as just crude and horrible as a lot of them go watch josie wales because it's, it's a fun time yeah again you watch it into a 2020 eyes there are some scenes where you might think mm, yeah then. there's a lot of like don't know if it, but it is sort of it would be wrong to portray it otherwise because shit was bad back then, wasn't it? Listen, it was it's awful. balancing those scales. It's this is this film was made in 1976, so it was made in 76. So that was the attitude of the time, but it was also based upon. It's an adapted from a I mean, story well, as well. You, you even look at like a modern western; they still make them that way, don't they? Yeah. Even though we are more sensitive and sensible to these kind of awful things that happened, you, I think it's disrespectful to ignore the fact that they did happen. Yeah. So you kind of have to portray it that way, don't you? You, you? you can't make a film and make out that men were decent back then. Cause yeah, because men were not decent. It was a lawless time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so they were It's adapted from a story based on uh, that, the, the happenings of that time. So it's an adapt- yes. adaptation. But but just as a warning, obviously some people might, may see yeah. something that they're not overly keen on. But as a film, as a piece of work, it's wicked. Yes. What are some other Westerns that you like, mate? Well, I've seen so many, 
bloody westerns. Um, I'll chuck a few out. <laughs> I've mentioned Unforgiven, which is another Clint Eastwood film from the early 90s. Uh, is that the one with Michael Bean in? That is not the one of Michael Keane. That's Tombstone, I believe that one is. Tombstone, that's it. That's, I always get those two mixed well, up. Tombstone, Tombstone is like, violent. That's great as well. I liked, uh, That is divisive as well because some people don't like it because it's a bit too violent. But I think mm. I think it's great. It's, an, it's another cliched film uh, story, like I just mentioned, where it's, it's, an old, it's an old gunslinger who has to come out of retirement when, when trouble like, hits the town of Tombstone, Arizona. So it's that, that, that's your story. But it's so in Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, man, Bill Paxton, Michael Bean. Oh yeah, it's a uh, you, you, very you take Michael Western. Bean, however you're getting him, and obviously we're getting him in. Uh, I know we mentioned it before, but um, it's kind of awesome that we've got to cover a Western at this time because of Mando being out, and Man, uh, Michael Bean's going to be in that too. I, I keep forgetting that because I keep forgetting with all it. Of it, if everybody <laughs> else that people talk about. I mean, I, I hope we get to see his face, and he's, if he's under prosthetics, fine. But I hope we get to see some some Bean shine through. We're all talking about Boba Fett coming back, and all these other characters coming back. We just want Bean, we just want Bean all over this. I hope you get to see. <laughs> I hope you get to see his face. But um, I think you will. He's he has the perfect face to be a dickhead in a bar in Star Wars. Mm-hmm, yes. He has that face, and back in the day he did play likeable people but every single thing he's done since the 80s he's just been an arse yeah. he's just got that that face and that gruff voice and just like demeanor yeah, isn't it yeah he'll be playing i am absolutely certain i would put all the money i have that he will play and everybody who's listening can all be this he will be an arsehole in a bar or or in some kind of bounty on a crew he'll be like what was the what was the comedian guy bloody hell, i love him as well uh, bill burr Bill Burr, he'll be like in that kind of crew and he'll be the biggest arsehole among yep. Michael Dean. Uh, he, he has to be. If he's not, then shout out to John Favreau for changing the narrative there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If he can make him the likeable guy again, I'll love that just as much, but uh, there's no way he doesn't play a dickhead. <laughs> I'd, I'd love it if they just basically said, oh, you know, that, what, that guy who thought was Boba Fett, that was Captain Rex. Michael Bean's actually underneath the Boba Fett helmet. <laughs> <laughs> just to really mess everyone up. Yeah. Tombstone's Wicked, Unforgiven, that's 92. That's Clint Eastwood, Gene Hackman, Richard Harris, God rest his soul, Morgan Freeman. Guess what it's about? It's about a crew of old timers who've hung up the guns. <laughs> but which yeah. is kind of where, I mean, Clint Eastwood, this isn't, this is one of the, uh, one of the better films where he does that as well. But it's where he started to transition into those roles. It's another slow film, but it's fucking wonderful. It's wonderful. And it, it builds up to some big old Eastwood moments, which, when you when you look back at a film like Josie Wales, you you, you watch Unforgiven, and you think I remember the Eastwood of old in like Josie Wales, where he's taking falls down. Unforgiven builds up to all that, and you know, you're not disappointed by the time it gets to the end. But I love yeah, Unforgiven. Yeah. So there's, I mean, Tombstone and Unforgiven. I've got a load more. But what about you, mate? A couple of westerns. Uh, a couple of more modern ones. Um, have you seen Slow West? I haven't seen that. No. Oh, you got to watch Slow, Slow West. West. Slow West is Michael Fassbender and. What is the kid's name from The Road? I forget his name. The Road. Um, the Road. Technology will help us again. But it anyway, do. Uh, Michael Fassbender is the same old guy going out and he's on this mission or whatever. And you basically get some... It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember loving it when I saw it. You get this kid uh, goes... Cody Smith-McPhee. That's the dude. Cody Smith McPhee. So he's he tries to get with this girl basically, and he he's banned from getting with her for whatever reason. I I, I can't remember what it is. 
it's from a different family or something like that. Or there's some reason I can't remember. I don't know if it's a race thing. I, ca- I can't remember what it was. But mm-hmm. at the start, anyway, there's this inciting thing where he goes to get with this girl. And then it's sort of, their family goes absolutely crazy to the point where this kid is just, it's just done for. He manages to escape. And then you see him like years later after he's obviously been a little kid. Uh, you see him years later and he's he's wandering around and he doesn't really know what's going on. And he basically wants to find this girl. And mm-hmm. Michael Bean's on his own sort of mission and he's walking around. He is the cowboy in this. He's a slick, awesome, cool cowboy. And he bumps into this kid. He sort of has this little chat. What are you doing, kid? Where are you going? He's like, I'm going to find this girl I love. And he's like, oh, you stupid, dumb kid. Just just go go back to your family. Go back to this. Go back to that, blah, blah, blah. And it ends up being this sort of just journey. I don't, I don't want to spoil the ending. It's incredible. I don't want to spoil it. Nice. I think you'd love this one, mate. It's a, it's like a modern Western, but with like a indie sort of A24 new film feel. It, it's hard to explain. It's it's like new storytelling in an old setting. And they, they bump into this old guy and he starts telling this story. And then the film diverts off for about 10 minutes with just this guy's story about what he's doing and these people he's killed and all this. It's incredible. But yeah, I can't say too much more without spoiling it, but Fastbender's incredible. Amazing and it is so good. Uh, the way the story wraps up is really good as well. It's tense and yeah, I, I don't want to say what emotion you'll feel. But <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, Try not of to. the absolute opposite spectrum of that. Another one I loved and Aunt Goodman did me- mention this one on. Um, I think it was Instagram. He mentioned this one on King? was uh, Bone Tomahawk, which was. Oh, oh I love Bone Tomahawk. I absolutely <laughs> love Bone Tomahawk. I, Paraphrasing as I usually am, because I have all this information floating around my head, there's only so much room for it. The dude who made this has only made like two films, and he's yes. he's, he's got his own rock band, and he did all the did all the score for this as well, which is yeah. a bit bonkers. But oh yeah, this is so Kurt Russell in this year obviously did Hateful Eight as well, and uh, this was the one that sort of went under the radar with the other one being a Tarantino film. Um, I love Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk is great, and. A lot of people have said this, but uh, there is a scene in Bone Tomahawk. I, I am not sort of... There's no violence that can really get to me. I'm desensitised because I've seen that much of it. There is a scene in this. If your jaw doesn't hit the floor, you've got problems. <laughs> yeah. There is yeah. some awful, yeah. awful scene in this, but so many great performances. Again, I think a lot of these westerns, it's a chance for actors to sort of collaborate, come together and all just chew the scenery up in in the best way. Not in not, not in a pokey way. But you get um what's his name? Bloody Lost Guy, Jack from Lost. He's gonna Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox in Bone Tomahawk is amazing. And the last guy I ever imagined to play the coolest guy in in, <laughs> in, in a Western film is <laughs> is Jack from Lost. Like he's He's not cool, is he? He's a lot of things, Matthew Fox. But he wouldn't cool, he wouldn't down cool. have him down as a cool dude, like a cool arsehole as well. Like he has that scene when he walks in and he says, "I've killed uh, more uh, Indians than every single person in this room combined." And the, and then they turn around to him. And he's like, "That's not a thing to brag about." He's like, "Not bragging, just a fact." <laughs> he's just so <laughs> he's so I don't know. He's just so cool. Got so much energy about him and stuff. And obviously there's some horrific things happening that it is basically a horror Western, isn't it? That's the category you'd put it in. And I don't know if there's any other film ever you could really put into that category, but uh, I love Uh, that one. Not as as visceral as that. I say tombstone gets violent, but that is, that is like they're being, don't want to spoil it all, but they're being stalked by 
Indians in the mountains and it gets really, really sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a good, it's a decent film. That's actually a good film as well. Yes, yes. Um, That's and what I mean. the director did, I can't think of the guy's name now, but he did um, Brawl and Cell Block 99 a few years back That's, as well, which I thought yeah. was really good. Vince Vaughn yeah, yeah. is like shockingly good in that film. I'll uh, go, I'll uh, chuck it back a few, a uh, bit, well, a long time ago, 1948, The, the Treasure of Sierra Madra. I really like that film, Humphrey Bogart and the Houston John and Walter. Basically, three lads after some gold find themselves basically buggered when things like greed and betrayal take over. Like the, the, the gold sickness takes over. Uh, that's really, really good. Ignore the fact it's from the 40s. Don't worry the fact it's in black and white and everyone talks funny. It's really very good. It won a yeah. lot of Oscars as well the year it came out. Um, For the older ones, obviously, the Dollars trilogy, it's not even worth us going over, but everybody's seen them. They're, they're probably the best ones, aren't they? They're, they're the, the gold ones. standard. Yeah. They are, yeah. And they're, they're, decent. they're all good films in their own merit as well. As a yeah. trilogy, it's good, but as a fistful of dollars, four or a few dollars more, and of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Good and the bad and the ugly always gets all the praise, but the other two are great, like you say. Yeah. Um, so, so again, the Surgery Own Trilogy, and he's obviously uh, a pioneer for the spaghetti Western films, the Italian Western films. But yeah, those, those films are the gold standard. You think Westerns, most people probably think either John Wayne or the good, the bad, and the ugly, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, chuck, chuck those in for the, for, the, for the old guard. John Wayne, I mean, Rio Grande, Rio Bravo, El Dorado, the John Wayne films. Uh, but Hell or High Water, I wanted to shout out as well for a few years ago. 2016, yes. yeah. Bank Robin Brothers in a time of Another economic Ben Foster one, isn't it, as well? It's Ben Foster's in that. Jeff Bridges, who um, is currently battling cancer in a minute, so obviously hope he pulls through that. And, and Chris Pine as well, but Hell or High Water was mm. fucking brilliant. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you saw that one or not, but it's brilliant if you haven't check it out uh, did you see the hateful eight yes i did did you like it i did yes i, I it gets a lot of hate but i like that film it's, well, it's why extremely it long because it's long i think it's just long and it's i don't really know why is, is, a, is a fiery hot slamming take i've said this before i don't know if obviously people of the podcast really know but i'm not really a fan of tarantino i don't really like his films mm, yeah, yeah i love the hateful eight I, that's another one where you just get lost and it's got that knives out kind of thing where it's mm. just everybody in a room, everybody's sort of wearing a mask and everybody's a dickhead and you've just got to try and figure it out alongside the main character. And then obviously the rug's you know, pulled from under you about four times. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I thought the hate flight was great though. It's amazing performances. Cult. Yeah. Um, Kurt Russell's amazing in it. Sam Jackson. Sam Jackson. Tim Roth. You've got a, uh... Michael Madsen's in every Tarantino film. Bruce Dern, yeah. uh, Walter Goggins, such a such a good good film. Yeah. Um, Walter and the, and, and the um, and the score as well mm. by uh, Ennio Morricone. Finally, finally got him. He'd been waiting to get him for forever. Mm. And Morricone said, "I don't want to do a Tarantino film. I don't want to work with him for, for, for whatever reason." And um, he finally got hold of Ennio Morricone. And he he also sampled a lot of his other older scores as well like, uh, for this. So they, he weaved them in, some of his classic scores. But he also chucked in Reagan's theme from Exorcist to the Heretic, which I think is one of my favourite pieces of film score ever. Mm. And I remember sitting in the um, the old theatre, do you remember those? And watching this, they're obviously going through the snow and then, and then Reagan's theme starts playing. I was like, fuck, yes! Is this what it's like <laughs> to be in heaven? And um, it turns out it was. But no, I, I did. I really did like this film, mate. Um, yeah. And Django Unchained as well. I really like that film. I've as not well. seen Django. To be honest, like I said a minute ago, I'm not like the biggest Tarantino fan. I haven't seen all of his films, so I think we are going to do it for a show someday, aren't we? We're going to sit and 
I talk think about so. him and um, I'll sit and watch all of his films, obviously. But uh, yeah, that, this one got a lot of hate and I, I don't really get it. If if this one gets hate, it's like Pulp Fiction is is just to the point where it's got critical immunity. You cannot yeah. say something bad about it. And I watched it and I was like, meh. It's a good film. It's like a fun like little just like varied cast all these anthology stories come together blah blah, blah. but then oh, why did hateful eight get so much hate i do not know but um yeah another one for me is obviously not a not a movie but a set of games have you played the red dead games matt no but i need to they're on ps now oh the red dead games are oh god so good like, and when the get... last one came out i heard all the praise for that oh yeah and the, 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 a funny situation you get the you get the first one is like the second one is a prequel, so you would have to play through the first one first. But um, that's fine. It's it's such a good story. It's a sprawling story. Basically, they made the first one. The first one is set at basically the end of when cowboys existed. So okay. the second one had to be a prequel. They had no choice, more or less. Yeah, yeah. But seeing the story of Arthur Morgan and what happens with him, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, mate, because it's I, I, I really don't want to. But it is one of the best living breathing open worlds you'll ever experience the second one you walk in a shop in the second game right and this is some people hated this i I liked this but you walk in a shop you know you walk in a shop in like gta and you want to buy a new gun or you want to buy a new set of clothes or whatever you walk up to a flashing spinning icon and it goes and then it takes you to a separate menu that's outside the game and you pick stuff and then whatever red dead you have to walk into the shop greet the shopkeeper and then open the book that's on the table and just turn through the pages to look to what you want to buy. And then you so press on like it. real you, life. Yeah, you press on the stuff. You go in the back room, like put the clothes on and then obviously walk out. And there's just so many systems at play. There's hunting systems. You've got a camp that you can go get food for. and Punching. You just get... <laughs> punching. You just get these random little like moments where you just... The game comes together, all the systems from the game come together and you go, oh my God, this is incredible. Like stuff you've done mm-hmm. that isn't, you're not forced to do throughout the missions, stuff you've randomly done throughout the day. Somebody in your camp you'll go back to will start talking to you and then they'll, they'll you've had a bad day, so they'll light a fire and they'll start singing songs and then you go sit with them and they start telling stories and then that becomes just a separate thing to experience in itself. And then you forget that you're even just playing this game like, oh shit i've got to go do all this stuff and you can just get <laughs> so carried away with all of it yeah with, with all the stuff you can do and it's so, so good so good you got to play those but um i need to i've, I've heard all about uh, redemption and the acclaim it got and i do need to I, i've seen people playing it and i've seen um i don't know anything about the story thankfully but i've just seen what it looks like and the immersity and what you can do and everybody i know who's played it whether it's like personal pe- people i know or like YouTubers, whatever, all said mm. it is just boss. Oh yeah, it's. I don't know which one I prefer out the first and the second. The second's more fresh in my memory, so it's it's <laughs> like it's, I'm leaning towards that. But yeah, you, you got to play it. It's so good, so good. And um, yeah, I'm oh, trying to think of some more more modern westerns, but uh, there aren't well, that many out. Is it? Well, they don't bring them out all been the time. A few, uh, in terms of like real modern ones, like very. There was a film called Hostiles that came out a few years ago with Christian Bale, um, which was not heard of this one. It was it was positioned as like Oscar bait type film. It came out, I think it was at the very beginning of like twenty, maybe twenty eighteen, maybe twenty seventeen. Yeah. Sorry, and it was obviously this big, big epic sort of western period piece. Christian Bale, Rosamund Pike, guess who? Ben Foster. He's in it as well. Jesse Plemons, <laughs> and 
Um, it was just received quite well. I thought it was boring, to be honest. Um, mm. It just didn't. It, it, it had a few moments in it which were quite, again, brutal moments in it. They, in yeah. fact, there's quite a lot in it, but it just didn't really grab me. Christian Bale was brilliant in it, but it just didn't really grab me like I wanted it to. Um, well, after, you have to watch um, Slow West and see what you think of that one. As, as I will do, mate, one. Yeah. That one came out in 2016, I think, and I think it's on Netflix. Oh, even better than I could check it out. Well, I, will, I will do that. Um, on one of the next episodes, I'll give you a Slow West update then yes. at the end of our uh, shows. Uh, Wind River is was a kind of Western film. Wind River was uh, Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen. Um, again, a lot of people really like that film. I thought it was, I thought it was just okay. But um, I guess The Revenant, a lot of people have been throwing that in as well. I haven't seen The Revenant. Uh, it's it's good. It's good. It's not it, it it's not the one to win Leo's Academy Award, but um, it did. But if you look at his his performance, is great in it. But it's you know, he's done better, and the film itself is is fine. Um, yeah. Logan, we mentioned Logan, obviously. Um, so with Logan, can you think of any more films that sort of aren't westerns that have a western influence? Obviously, you've got Star Wars and all the Star Wars stuff is influenced by East West and religion and everything. So it's hard to just pin that. But I'm trying to think of some that are. Um, Drive's kind of one that comes to mind for me. He, he's a bit like a lone. He's like a lone he's not, ranger, he's not, isn't he? Yeah, he's not a gunman, but he walks in, and then you get a lot of moments that you get in westerns. You even get him right at the end, sort of told that he's going. The people are going to be after him forever, and he's got the, like the stab wound. Mm-hmm. And we've I got the know, jacket, it's, it's got that like, feel to it. Like, yeah, up, and that's like his uniform. Almost like cowboys and or, or outlaws have all got like that kind of look, that uniform that they wear. Whether it's yeah. a jacket, whether it's a scarf, or whatever, he's got the the scorpion. Jacket. Mm. You get a lot of things with like lit, little bits of Western influence, don't you? Like, yeah. um, Blade Runner's got a bit of it with him being just this this gunman going and hunting down people, basically a bounty hunter in that. And- so many films have been influenced by uh, cl- uh, conventions or cliches or tropes of the Western yeah. genre because, yeah. I mean, these films have been around forever, but they've also and, given and us so many were great moments. In the first place, by Eastern films. Like, you get, yes. you get like, Yo Jimbo was the one to inspire the first bunch of Westerns that we got. Mm-hmm. Wasn't yeah, yeah, it as well? Right. And backwards and forwards, I think East and West culture back then did inspire storytelling between each other. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they you bring them all together for something like Star Wars, where that's Lucas watching films from the East and films from the West, at Hidden Fortress, and then the Sergio Leone trilogy Kurosawa and films. Kurosawa, yeah, all these things coming together, and they are similar in a way, aren't they? And there's we're talking about well, Mandalorian's one of the main examples for this, isn't it? Of, of something modern that's taken influence from Western stuff. But Absolutely. I've seen this debate online for a bit. Is the, is the Mandalorian a samurai or is he a cowboy? He's he's a gunslinger, man. He's a gunslinger. He's a cowboy. Because it's it's a complicated one, isn't it? Because like so many of the stories, it, 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 he is the role of a samurai coming into like a town and and like liberating a bunch of people and getting them food and all this and then leaving because he can't stay good trouble and all this. And I don't know, it's, it's cool. It's kind of a mixture of both for me. It is a cool um, comparison to make. I think uh, then in that case, yeah, he's, he's for me, he's the gunslinger, yeah, 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 but he's got, he's got the samurai. He's got those samurai elements to like yeah. storytelling elements because uh, you can't, it's undeniable. If you, you watch even in chapter nine, the marshal, I mentioned it to you as well before when, um, Mando's on his speeder and he's coming into Mos Pelgo. Again, there's no spoilers here. Coming into Mos Pelgo and he's really slowly going straight down the middle of this town. Either side, there's, there's, like, there's like literally like a saloon, a cantina, a saloon. Yeah. There's people out hanging there washing and that. And, a and they all turn. 
That's it. They all turn to look at him as he comes past, like the outsider. And the music is extremely Western. And it is just like the lone the lone ranger on his horse yeah. riding into town down the middle. And I was like, this is it. And like you say, when when he enters the cantinas and it's just Mando silhouetted against the backdrop, the way he uses his gun, that the 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 way he sort of slings yeah. his gun around, the shots, the many shots of anyone who's about to get their gun unholster their gun, it's just like pure. There's so many there that. And it isn't just like a, a cheap rip-off of the genre. It's an absolute love letter to Western films. Yeah, yeah. And he, Favreau himself said that it was a tribute to the first half an hour of A New Hope, which That's it. if you were to break A New Hope down into sections, that is the Western section. You've obviously got the bit at the end, which is obviously World War Two fighter pilots taken yep. down like... It even uses the same like shots as they did in some of that footage from, they, from World War Two. They didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, you can break it down, and then you've got the samurai section with obviously the, the, the fight with Obi Wan and Vader is definitely an homage to samurai films. The espionage samurai stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, Mando is doing a great job of keeping the, the the western alive, and I think obviously when this came up, we, me and you both said straight, we were like, "Oh yes, this is going to be so good" because we've got Mando to talk about as well with it, and, and comparatively talk about with Josie Wales. Yeah, um, we watched, and like you brought up. I did the same as you. Not, it, I didn't go into Josie Wales thinking, right, I'm a Star Wars fan, so I'm going to see how, how no, this no, no, no. is like my beloved Mandalorian. I didn't even think about that. I, when I was watching Josie Wales, I was thinking, I can see how how Favreau and everyone on board could have watched a film like this, like Josie yes, Wales, yeah. and taken inspiration. Obviously not the other way around, because I'm not an idiot. But I just, like you mentioned, with like the silhouettes, with some of the, uh, with some of the actions, with the actual weapons themselves and that. Look at and, the scene at the start. That that exact scene on the minigun it, is from exactly. episode one of Mando, where he's it, on the it's, minigun. Is that like massive gun thing, turret, and um, and even just like the way that when Josie's backed into a corner, he'd stand there and kind of like cock his head a little bit, and doesn't he doesn't say have anything, the um, the the whistling thingies, does he? So he just pulls both pistols out and shoots everybody as fast as he can. <laughs> exactly, but the, the mannerisms are just the same, and yeah. they've, they've really gone to something special. Then hopefully, obviously, Touchwood. <laughs> That continues, but it isn't just uh, because it's. It, it seems to be almost quite fashionable to say, "Oh, the Mando is very Western." I think a compliment to Mando is that when I'm watching that, I don't sit and think, "Oh, this is like a Western." But when I watch a Western, I'm like, "This, this is a bit like Mando." <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I mean. Yeah. But then I but then I went into this film and didn't think, but I didn't want to sort of think, right? No. How is this like the Mando? I ended up thinking this is how the Mando is like this, so yeah. it kind of went full circle. Yeah, yeah, but you can see the inspiration. When people, when people say it's like a man, like the man was like a western. When you actually go back to watch the westerns, as you're a fan of, I'm a fan of, and we've just done, then you can actually really see that. It isn't just sort of saying it to join the the crowd. You really can see the yeah. And like we said a minute ago, it's not just Mando, is it? Star Wars has always been influenced influenced by westerns. The yeah. the scene with Han and Greedo is ripped <laughs> straight from a western film, isn't it? It's yeah. It's so Indiana obvious. Jones, Harrison Ford would have made a great like cowboy. Like, obviously, the indie oh, scene yeah. where he the guy with the whip and he's just like hey, cowboys shoot, and shoots him. He was in that. Oh. <laughs> he was moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, mate. So, I mean, there was recently, well, I say recently, like 15, 13 years ago, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, one of the longest titles in history. I mentioned that one last week when we talk, spoke about the films we thought would blow but didn't when we referenced Casey Affleck, and he's in this film. Yeah. Uh, he is the coward Robert Ford. It's all about Jesse James, well, the title itself is the spoiler. Jesse James, like the famed spoiler. outlaw, <laughs> is assassinated 
by Robert Ford, who's played by Casey Affleck, because he basically becomes jealous of him. He's got a grudge against him, so he shoots him. And it's all about Robert Ford. It's all about him and how... Well, watch the film if you haven't seen it, guys, but really, that isn't that isn't a spoiler because the title is the spoiler. But <laughs> I thought that was a really good... Casey Affleck shows his chops in that. Yeah. Um, obviously, in recent years, he's, he's an Oscar winner now, and in Ghost Story, he was great. But before that, he was carving out a really solid career as an actor. And again, think what you want of him outside of acting on screen. He, his performances have always been good. And this is one which goes under the radar again, but check that one out, man. Mm. Yeah, I definitely will. I haven't seen that one. So, and I have heard of it a lot. So, yeah. uh, tr- uh, True Grit by, with Jeff Bridges in 2010 is another really, really, really very good Western mm-hmm. film. That was based on a 1969 film called True Grit starring John Wayne, um, which was, uh, which was good as well, but the 2010 one's even better with Jeff Bridges in. That's a really, really good film. Was Haley Steinfeld made, making her on-screen debut? Also, shouting out back to last week's episode. That was her first ever um, big-screen performance. That was mm. uh, a f- one modern film I really wanted to like, but it was just a bit, you know, vanilla. It had vanilla pods in, so it tasted nice, but it wasn't the best. And it was a film called Jane Got a Gun. It's 2015, mm. and Natalie was in it. And uh, Natalie Portman is one of my favourite working actors, actresses, whatever, out there. If she's in a film, I'm in, because usually they are incredible. Or even if the film is a bit poo, she's always really good. I didn't like the film Vox Lux all that much a few years ago, but she's so good in it. And she's really very good in everything she's in almost, and I really like her. But Jane Got a Gun is just a bit... uh, Basically, um, she's the wife to a dude called Bill... But she's got to go and speak to her old fiance, who's a boozer, and they fight together to survive, basically, in this lawless time. Ewan McGregor's in it, Joel Edgerton as well. It's fine, but I really wanted it to be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's not. And then, obviously, something, and then classic Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Robert Redford, Paul Newman, a bunch of lovable, lovable rogues. How the West was one as well. I mean, Christ, I've got so many more. And Bonnie and Clyde, you could chuck that in almost as a Western-esque type film. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some... Um, I'm trying to think of some, some of the games as well. Um, very Western-inspired kind of thing. Do you ever play the Fallout games? Uh, no. So there's the, the <laughs> Fallout game set in a post-apocalypse, but Fallout New Vegas was a very sort of, it had a Western kind of feel to it. Mm. And you were going to, even, even the front cover of it, it's got a dude with a, a six-shot pistol just stood there. And yeah, very classic Western style. Um, just trying to think of some more. There was a game I played. Did you ever play, this is going to be a no again, I think. <laughs> did you ever play any of the Oddworld games? Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, any of those? Actually, no, I didn't. The little alien dude. I, like, I, I remember you, you, Abe's Odyssey, and I remember I remember the little alien geezer, but I never played him. My friends played him, but I never did. Well, there was a spin-off of that called Oddworld Stranger's Wrath, where you played as a like a. <laughs> this is good. This is a this is a mental shout, but it is a, it's as western <laughs> as it gets, really, with a spin on it. And you play as this gunslinging bounty hunter guy, and you've got this like um, crossbow that you can shoot. Like they, you shoot like creatures off it, and some of them eat people, and or you can just shoot people straight up with a gun or whatever. But you're running around with this thing, and um, he literally look, he looks like Cad Bane. Like oh, he, I mean, he's he's got like the massive like thingy cowboy hat or whatever, and he's brown like cape on the front of him, like a poncho thing. And that I remember that game's story being great. So you you're playing as this dude, like I say, you've always got your scarf over your face, proper like like a cowboy mm-hmm. the cowboy hat and whatnot 
And then there's like this reveal at a certain point in the game where he falls through this window and all his like poncho and stuff falls off. And he's an alien, like in, in the game, because the, the aliens are all over the place in this game, but they didn't know he was this type of alien. Mm-hmm. I think and this type of alien has been like banished for years and whatnot. And um, yeah, he falls through and it gets exposed basically as to what he is. And it, then you're on the run because they figure out what you are. And I, I don't know that, 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 you see one screenshot of it, you'll know it's a Western game. Anybody out there played Stranger's Wrath, give me a message because that game was great. Um, it was Gun in 2005, Gun. which is not not about it. Gun, not a bad game. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Red Dead. People forget Red Dead. There's three games in the Red Dead trilogy. It's Red Dead Revolver, Red Dead Redemption, and Red Dead Redemption 2. I didn't know there were three games. Besides, besides from that, there's not really that many Western video games, thinking about it. To say they've influenced so many video games, there's not really that many. Um, again, Red Dead kind of takes the cake with that respect uh everybody's kind of wanting talking about obviously the influence with star wars and westerns the second anybody mentions red dead who likes star wars is usually the first thing they say is we want red dead 2 but a mandalorian (laughs) that's all everybody wants that's all everybody's been talking and i know um hello greedo just put a video out yesterday or day before i can't remember and it's based on a piece of concept art from mandalorian and the concept art is it's kind of like from the back of Mando in like a third-person video game style shot, and it's just him walking into Mos Pelgo, and people just everybody saying at the same time. But he's made a video on it now, so go check that out. Cause it's a good video. But he's made the point of just, oh my god, I just want to pick the controller up as soon as I see that picture and just walk into Mos Pelgo and just do some missions for like. It's, it's, Can you imagine? They need to, it would be so good, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> We've had the Jedi game now. We need to have the the gunslinging. Bounty Hunter, maybe not even Bounty Hunter, just like a ragtag group of whatever. doesn't have to be Mandalorians, just maybe create your own character, just something like that. I would love a Western-style Star Wars video game because, again, you're not beating Red Dead 2. It's just a straight-up Western game, so let's put a spin on it, obviously, get some sci-fi elements in there. That'd be cool. Yep, do it. Ant has asked for it, so guys, do EA Motive, whoever's going to be doing it. What studio would you like to handle that, mate? Because you know more about this than I do. Uh... I've spoken about this before and everybody always gives like their dream studio. And there's no, I think that's just, it's not responsible speculation because it's not going to happen. People talk about like, oh, C- CD Projekt Red should make a Star Wars game. They're probably not going to, are they? Because they're making their own shit. Like you need one of the big ones to pick up the license and go with it. So it's either going to be an Activision or a Ubisoft or somebody like that. I think, I think Activision might be the best shout in, in terms of, I know people will go, well, Activision did this and like say some shit that they did or whatever, but it's got to be one of the big ones. It's got to be one of the ones that did sort of Ubisoft, Activision, someone like that. Um, thinking about it, Ubisoft might be a bit, I don't know. You need a big studio like that, but you, you kind of need, Ubisoft are doing the Assassin's Creed games at the minute and they're doing a big, big, sort of switch over where those aren't stealth little thingy games anymore. They are massive RPGs. Mm. They're not little games where you go and assassinate one dude in like Rome anymore. It's obviously Assassin's Creed Valhalla's just released and you basically swarm in towns with a, a, a giant ship of Vikings every time. Like I think Ubisoft are probably a better shout than Activision to be fair. Ubisoft give them the license, let them make the game. I think I think they would make a, a, a decent Star Wars game. EA Maybe, but 
every time EA have gone to make like a big single player game, something's gone wrong until Fallen Order. Fallen Order, for some reason, seems to be the outlier where they left the studio alone. EA left, um, what were they bloody called? Respawn alone, just to make that on their own. I think Respawn had earned enough clout through Titanfall 2 to go, yeah, let's just make this, because Titanfall 2 was incredible as well. But, um, yeah, EA aren't going to have that license for too much longer, so it will have to go to somebody else if they're not going to renew it. Um, I think Ubisoft is probably the answer. I said Activision before, but I don't think Activision Mm -hmm. is as good a shout as Ubisoft. But it will be one of those three is what I'm saying. It will be Activision, Ubisoft, or EA. Ubisoft are making big, open-world, sprawling, single-player, massive RPG games. That's what everybody wants. People will say Bethesda. I don't want it to be Bethesda. I don't know if you've played the Skyrim games. I know no. I mentioned Fallout New Vegas, but that was that was a different uh, they team. They were my did, list to play. Yeah, there was a different team that did Fallout New Vegas, but Skyrim's buggy as shit, man. <laughs> like, Skyrim and Fallout are so buggy, and I don't know. I, I don't like the combat. I don't like... I don't know. I, I, I had this, like, rant a bit back where I was saying somebody from Bethesda needs to get the Doom guys and the and the... Uh, the the Skyrim and Fallout guys together to make the shooter in that. I, I think I said it on the pod, to be fair, but yeah, I don't want it to go to Bethesda. Give it to Ubisoft for me. And if anybody comes at me now and says, Ubisoft did this, who else is going to... You're not going to sell the license to like to somebody who can't afford it. It's got to be one of the Capcom. biggest developers. Yeah, Capcom, imagine. Just chuck someone out there. Um, <laughs> there you go, Ubisoft. But I was just interested in your thoughts on that, mate, but... Um... Well, before we finish, before we finish up, then uh, a couple of the uh, I wanted to also shout out Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Netflix film by the Coen oh, Brothers. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love that film. Oh, that film was wicked. Uh, an anthology, a six short films set during the Civil War or post Civil War. That was such a good film. Another one I haven't seen. I'm not I'm not up to date on the modern ones. Very very. Well. That is really 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 good. Uh, pre- I think I think I liked like five out of the six films stories and the other one i just thought was pretty good i really, really enjoyed that film so check it out on netflix guys and we asked uh, you guys out there as well for some, some of your favorite um western films like i said and goodman shout out bone tomahawk and the three amigos uh darth bread here's a shout he put rango from 2011 the animated uh johnny mm. depp chameleon western qualifies yeah, it definitely qualifies as a Western, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Timothy Oliphant's in it, so it definitely does now. Um, <laughs> Bill Nye, Isla Fisher. So Rango was a really, really good shout. Um, and we also had uh, one quarter portion, our boy Luke Summerfield. Uh, Hateful Eight and The Revenant he went for, which we mentioned. Ma- Matthew David Bell, another Welsh legend. Good, the bad, and the ugly. He said it's not the most original choice, but God damn it, if it's not the best choice. And I can't really argue with there, mate. Um, home, uh, my friend, our friend, uh, friend of the show, Anders Holmes from Holmes Movie, he went with one. I cannot believe I haven't mentioned this, but it's The Searchers by John Ford, and it oh, is shit. an absolute monster. Like John Wayne's like probably the best film he's ever done. Um, the Searchers and John Ford is a legendary director. Check that one out, The Searchers. It's John Wayne basically is on the he hates in, in Native Americans Indians. He's on bloodlust because they've st- they've captured his niece um, basically, and he's a uh, he's on he's he's on the warpath, and that is a bloody 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 good film. Uh, so the Searchers from the mid fifties, nice one there. Um, Holmes movies, Mad Love movies, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Where's Mario? Went for the nineteen sixty nine uh, John Wayne version of True Grit. Uh, a fistful of dollars got some love, and up uh, and the King. 
Nick Hendrickson, Old Hendo, Tombstone and Bone Tomahawk. So a couple of films there we didn't mention and a couple that we did. So um, it seems, it's fair to say the Western genre, mate, it's got a lot of love, hasn't it? And we, we appreciate it, but it seems like a lot of other people out there, we know it's a big genre, but the, the responses we're getting, that it's a lot of love for this genre, isn't it, mate? Oh, big time, yeah. And it's understandable, isn't it? It was a staple of movie culture for years. Like I said, when I was a kid, I just Westerns were all that get kept getting put on my TV. <laughs> it's just all I watched for a while. It was like Westerns and like Jason and the Argonauts and a lot of those films is kind of for, it's like the, the generation above us, that was their sort of nerd entertainment, wasn't it? Without, without being nerds then sort of, they were without realizing yeah. over all the westerns and all the, like I said, all the, all that genre of film. Old West dorks. Um, yeah, old West dorks. Yeah, yeah. So big. So a lot of shout out to the western fans out there. And that was our one thousand and one first dip, dipping our toes into the book for the first time there with the Outlaw Josie Rose, which we both loved. Sweet chat there about westerns and you realize just how many brilliant western films are out there. Too many to mention. We we couldn't have possibly done an episode on best western films or there's so many great ones isn't there we'd we'd have to do our favorites but even then we'd have to watch about a hundred of them to know so that's the thing is we've we've just gone through about i don't know at least 15 if not 20 in varying levels of detail there and you know they're they're all ones that i think we would class as you know you must watch these in order to be like we did with our action movies there's like there's a certain chunk of films you have to watch to be able to eliminate and yeah. add and put into contention. It would be, if we were to do the best ones, it would be like the action episode again, where we would be we'd be swapping between us watching about 40 films each. We were, we were literally on the, it was like a, a, a football transfer, we like agents and players. We were on the phone, on and off the phone every five minutes. Right up until the last minute <laughs> of like was recording. Game. Yeah, the, which was the one that, the Rock the was rock. the one where yeah. we put we put The Rock on the list and then we said, oh, is this a great or do we just love it? And then we were like, right, let's take it off then. Yep. And then there was one spot at the end and we couldn't decide between like five. None were jumping off the screen at us. So we went, do you know what? And I, I think I, I texted you and I was saying, do you know what? The Rock is back in contention. And you watched it and you went, mate, you got to watch it because it, it definitely is getting the list. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and there, there was a few that we watched, um, like uh, international action films and some close to yeah. home. Uh, and I was like, Skyfall might have to be on there. But then I was like, I don't know if this is my preference, but it is so good. Uh, and yeah. it was tough. But with this, I think this would be near possible. We could come up with the 10 best based on like how well they're, how famous they are. But, best, best received, yeah. or but that's ones a different, we like the most. But, yeah, yeah. Best, best received is a different kettle of fish because that's that may that may may not even be our favourite. So it would be yeah. a hell of. I think we've done. I think we've introduced a lot more Western films. You've probably already seen them, guys, or at least heard of them. If not, go check them out. But if, if there's one that you haven't though, and, and and you do want to watch one, and you haven't seen Slow West, give that one a go because I, I thought it was genuinely amazing when I watched that. There you go. I am going to check that one out. One out. Smaller feel to it. It's not a big sprawling adventure like like Josie Wales is, but um, yeah, it's weird, like indie film feel in a Western, which is, I don't know, it was really good. I'm all for that. I'll check it out. And um, on on this segment of another episode, I'll mention it, but this segment Mm. to end off with, we always have a little chat about what we've been uh, checking out over the last week since the last episode. So whether that's, I know films, movie uh, games are the same. Films and movies are the same things. Films, TV shows, games, comics, books, music, whatever, anything pop culture related. We always just kind of let each other fill each other in. So, what have you been checking out, man? Um, so I just got 
my new PC this week, so I've been messing yeah. about trying to set that up and whatnot. Um, but when I've not been just messing around trying to get everything set up, uh, I've been playing Black Mesa. Um, I don't know if you you probably not played the map, but you've heard of the Half Life games, obviously. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. So Black Mesa is a fan made remake of the original Half Life. Everybody always talks about Half Life Two. Um, yeah. But this is not your average fan-made remake. This is so Valve, who made the first two games, and obviously have gone on to do everything. They, they own Steam. They made Steam. They don't need mm-hmm. to make games anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, but Valve basically gave these guys who were making it their backing. It is a, a Valve production made by fans, and my God, is it good! It is absolutely. It, it, it's. I don't mean to sound this diminishing. Just because fans, it doesn't mean they can't make stuff. We've seen what fans can do with with creations and stuff. But wow, it is. They've obviously got the the advantage that they've got the core design from Half Life back in the day. But there are changes to it and stuff. And it's just basically like playing. It's a remake. It's a modern remake yeah. with amazing sort of control. It's it's the kind of remake I like where it, it justifies its existence because the mechanics feel better now. It's not just here's the same game but up resed or it's not a totally different game. It's 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 been in development for I think fourteen years they've been trying to make this. <laughs> and in twenty twenty they they had like the first chapter out probably about six years ago. And then it was like I think there's about ten chapters that you gotta play. I think about that many, but they released the final chapter in twenty twenty and it went into beta one. And then it's been officially released as a video game now. So it's no longer this like founders project where you can play a couple chapters or anything. The whole game's there. So I've been playing through that and my God, it is a masterclass in video game pacing and atmosphere from minute one. Wow. You play as uh, Gordon Freeman in the game. You're going down into this lab and uh, you're a scientist and there's, like matters being messed messed around with. There's all these kind of machines that are smashing all these atoms together, and all this matters coming through, and there's all this dangerous stuff anyway. So you have to get on this train, and this train journey is literally must be about ten minutes of the actual game. You just sit on this. It's not a cutscene. You can move around, but you're just on this train, and you can hear kind of it's that really unnerving atmosphere where. <sighs> You can hear like the woman on the tunnel is like, everybody in the Black Mesa facility is not permitted to eat, smoke, drink, or it's it's just got this horrible feel to it where you're just like, <laughs> it's not overtly creepy, but it's creepy because you know shit's about to go down. Underlying threats or some mess. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you get to the bottom, they, you know what's going here. They switch the machine on and things go to absolute shit. And Gordon has a vision <laughs> of some other world, basically in this moment. And, comes back to his senses and everything around him is exploding this atom machine's gone mad so this is uh, this is not spoilers by the way guys this is the first chapter of the game um which is what i'm playing through you get out of this little bit that you're in and all the scientists are going we gotta get out we gotta get out and then there's these this little bug comes through the one of the like uh tubes that's that's controlling these atoms and stuff and this bug latches onto somebody's head basically it's a parasite bug thing becomes a host um he becomes like a zombie but that's that thing's on his head and it's the host you got to shoot the thing off his head then those things are everywhere over this facility it's got like a it's kind of like the thing it's got like that kind of feel to it where it's just like these guys who aren't trained for anything like this and they're just fucked even gordon freeman you just got a crowbar at the start you don't have any weapons but 
oh, it's so good. The atmosphere is so good. They, all the scientists are waiting at like the the, the exit point, and they're like, this, "The government have sent in the the, uh, the military to come and help us." The military come in and absolutely massacre all the scientists, blow all their heads off. So now I'm at a point where I'm just like, it's now gone from the thing to like die hard, and I'm crawling through vents and and getting every bit of ammunition and every bit of help I can just to get out of Black Mesa and. The just military squads are just all trying to kill me to cover up what's happened. That they've basically unleashed a portal to another dimension, and aliens have come through. <laughs> of but, course, um, if that hasn't sold you on it, I don't know what will. It is so, so, so good. And again, the pacing, oh, chef's kiss, chef's kiss. It's so good, so, so good. And uh, the the old you can just play Half Life. It would be it would be good as well. But just having it sort of this really polished version is is great to play. Sweet, I bet you're glad you got your new computer then, mate. Yeah, because obviously you can't get it on uh, can't get it on consoles or anything. So if you haven't got a console, you're missing out. But um, you can just play the normal Half Life. I think that's on Xbox 360 in the orange box. So I think that might be on Game Pass now on Xbox. So you'll be able to play it on that. But speaking of Game Pass, what a deal Game Pass is! You can get Game Pass on your computer now. So the Xbox Game Pass is their like PS Now kind of thing, and the difference is all the games on Game Pass you can download, so there's none of this streaming bollocks that you get on PS Now. Yep. But now included with it, I, so I subscribe to EA Play on my computer so that I can get Battlefront Squadrons and all that stuff for free and Battlefield and all the EA games. You can get FIFA if you want as well or whatever, but I'm not going to play that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with Xbox Game Pass, I sound like a spokesperson for me, but you're going to be able to get Disney Plus and EA Play for free. Yeah, I saw that um, the other day Mental. on social media. So Xbox Game Pass costs £10.99, obviously, if, if you American guys are listening. £10.99, Disney Plus costs 5 99 and EA Play costs 3 99 and you're now going to get those for free mm-hmm. for your ten ninety nine cost of getting Game Pass as well. That is – and Fallen Order has been put on it now as well. So everything that you great. get with that as well comes with it. So obviously the idea of getting something like Disney Plus is great – but it's everything that you get with that. Not just Mando, yeah. of course, but all the Star Wars, every Marvel film, every single Simpsons episode, every Disney film, all of the MCU TV shows come in, uh, all the animated stuff, the kids shows, if you're into that, or if you have kids, it's so much shit. With and that. obviously then all the games we just mentioned, all yeah. the EA games, all the Fallen Order, Battlefront 2, the first Battlefront, Squadrons, then all the Game Pass games, which is every Halo game, um, I've just downloaded Outer Worlds. Um, big boy Pevy's been telling me to play this for a bit. He's he's a big fan of Outer Worlds. Um, I downloaded that. What else did I get? I, I've downloaded a bunch of games anyway from Game Pass. There's so much good stuff on there, and uh, I think that's one of the best deals in video games now. Ten pounds ninety nine for basically a massive list of Xbox, not Xbox exclusive games, but games that would be on an Xbox mm-hmm. um, and Disney Plus and EA Play. That is crazy so i've basically got a pc paid 10.99 and got an endless catalog of everything to watch and play oh, to... and the, my first month cost me a pound as well that's the deal that they've got on yep. try and tell me the digital age has made things worse mate back in the day you buy a computer for a, a ton of money you then got to go and individually buy all the games from, from yeah. the shops now it's there I've for paid you mate. a pound to play all these games the only thing i've bought is black mesa that's it 10.99 mate just just for the just for the game package a month is fine for me, yeah. I think. Again, considering that, if you, unless you really want to go out and buy the games, it's 50 quid a pop, or you can just straight play them on here for 10.99, you play them via this. We make wicked. And, and Matt and I have got no allegiance to this. 
I, I've never been a guy who's like, oh, this console, this console wars stuff is just bullshit. They, they all play the same games. Just whichever one you want to play on is the one that's best because it's the one you want. That's how that works. I've got a PC now, and I'm not going to sit and say this better than an Xbox One. It's bullshit. It's yep. not. I've I've only ever had PlayStations because exactly. Yeah. Because the controller fit in my hand better than the Xbox One. Exactly, to. yeah. We, we've got no allegiance to Xbox to say this, but it is the best deal in video games you can get. Yep, so let's see PS5, your There's move. Even, for you guys, obviously everybody's struggling with money and stuff in the in the pandemic and whatnot. There is a deal with Xbox as well at the minute that they've put on where if you want the system, you can pay monthly, like a phone contract. You don't pay an upfront cost and you can pay, I think it's, I think it's a tenner a month for the for the lower sort of um, graphical fidelity one, and I think it's twenty pound a month for the Xbox Series X, the beefy one, mm-hmm. and that gives you two years of Game Pass included with 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 the price to pay that off monthly. So instead of paying the five hundred quid you're gonna have to pay for the whole thing, you've um, yeah you you've just paid twenty pound a month like a phone. I think that's the way consoles are gonna go is like phone contracts now. I think so, mate, and it makes sense. Again, it's not just it, I say pandemic. At the minute, it helps obviously funds and finances and not being as they have been previously. But also, it's just the way of the world, mate. We're in a consumer-led world now, where people want things like that. They want to be able yeah. to get their hands on things quickly. Um, you, like you say, with phone contracts, and you can buy, you can buy and buy a sofa, you can go buy a TV, you can buy a PlayStation Five on finance. Yeah. What about like the what about a contract-based subscription service or like you say for graphics or whatever it might be the processor whatever it might be but when you think about that deal again it's it's 20 pound for the xbox series x Mm -hmm. per month and i think it i think it might be for a year and a half or two years can't remember because obviously you're having to pay 500 pound off but it's 10.99 just for the xbox game pass which you get included (laughs) which is crazy yeah so you basically you pay nine pound a month for the Xbox Series X is the most powerful console on the planet at the minute. The, the whole selling point of it is is as powerful as a gaming PC for half the price, and mm-hmm. yeah, you're basically getting it for nine pound a month, which is mind blowing. I think that's a is a really good deal. And the Xbox are making all the right. I, we, we're not supposed to be in a console discussion here, but we're, we've ended up in one. Xbox. I, I'm a big PlayStation fan. I like Xbox as well. I like. All, I've got a Switch. We've got an Xbox downstairs and I've got a PC and a PS4 upstairs. I'm not allegiant to any of these, but Xbox are making all the right moves and consumer-friendly moves at the minute. It's really good to see. Yep, well, there you go. So the, the console wars has started, like you say, with the Xbox and PlayStation releasing their new models, but that is a hell of a deal, mate. Mm. That is a hell of a deal. And- it's, it's, it's better than what PlayStation are offering, hands down. It's offering and most bloody businesses are no, offering no, at the minute. Not just that. With the Xbox Game Pass deal on on Series X, you're getting the Xbox 360 and Xbox entire catalogs are all backwards compatible. With the PlayStation, they've said the top 100 PS4 games will be backwards compatible with the PS5, but no PS3, no PS2, no PS1, which is weird. Which is a massive shame. It is because they've, obviously, with having four console generations, they've got way more legendary games than xbox have as well mm-hmm. like uh, ips solely to them and to not have all them coming over is strange to me no, strange. i hear that i dig i hear that man they're obviously not going to just and obviously not going to remaster those all for the ps5 so it looks like you're gonna have to keep hold of your old consoles guys but yeah. uh, anything else you've been checking out mate uh no not much mate to be honest i've just been like i said messing around on my computer and uh 
Yeah, watching, watching. Oh, carried on with my Clone Wars rewatch. I'm yeah. halfway through the Umbara arc. I stopped the other day because I've had a bunch of stuff to do since then, but uh, I will carry on with that. It continues to impress. I, I am enjoying the Clone Wars. I am a fan of the Clone Wars. From being a skeptic before and saying I couldn't get into it that much, and I'd watched bits and bobs of it, and I knew the story already, so it was like a felt like a chore to go and watch. <laughs> because, you know what I mean, you, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have stuff like that, you guys out there as well, where you've heard about it, you know the story. Is it worth going back and watching? Can I be asked? It's like, start and start again. With this kind of stuff, and I was like, but I've seen most of season one. Do I just start with season two? You just what you got to do with this shit is just wipe the slate clean and start again, haven't you? If you if you've tried to jump in at certain points a bunch of times, you just got to start again. And that's what I did. And I think I'm I'm on to uh, well, the Umbara arc season five, right? Season, season four or five. Four. Well, I've I've already watched some episodes from season five because of obviously the the weird chronological order and whatnot. Um, I'm getting to the point where all the arcs soon will be important arcs. There is not one. So they're all highlighted in blue on the list from William Aguilar that I've put on um, Twitter and whatnot. The ones that are highlighted in blue, all at the end are highlighted in blue because they're important arcs that you have to see. And I'm nearly at that point where they're all blue, which is going to be sweet. So that's when we get onto obviously Ahsoka, Maul, all that stuff. And yeah, man, I dig. I've been checking out some Clone Wars as well because you have been. I've gone on and watched some arcs, the Umbara arc, uh, pretty much most of season six with um, the clones and Order 66 and Yoda's <laughs> little mission. We spoke about this privately. Pong Krell is the biggest prick on this planet. But this is Pong. <laughs> Pong, innit? The first what time I heard that name, I was just like, is this for real? The guy's called Pong. But uh, he was also yeah. the biggest ass. Yeah. And then Rift Hampson, old Sharkhead. That's kind of a naff. And D-Squad are the cack areas of Clone Squad Wars. But I I, I did Clone. I prefer Rebels, but I did Clone Wars, mate. So I've been watching some of that. Obviously, Mando Season 2, Chapter 10, I enjoyed that. Uh, You you were a fan of that one, weren't you, mate? Oh, yeah. So it's not an official thing, but we're obviously going to talk about the Mando episodes as they come out. Because, I mean, don't know if you knew this, guys, but... Big Star Wars fans over here at NPM. Absolutely, we we don't mind a bit of the wars and Chapter Ten was sci-fi horror, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, I loved it. I had like an aliens feel. Uh, I don't know if this has been spoken about enough. The effects. This is a fucking TV show. Mm-hmm. They, they've got on leaps TV and bounds. Show. Yeah. The, the, the first episode obviously was like that. Looked better than a lot of that. Looked better than some of the recent films, special effects that I've seen. Mm-hmm. It was that dragon, absolutely yeah. jaw dropping. That dragon, and then with these as well, you, you you've got a thousand spiders on screen and. You get obviously the amazing moment where it's like falls through the roof and smashes through the top of the razor crest and it's trying to latch onto the side and oh it's great. I, I loved it. And I know people haven't learned a lesson with this and started going, Oh, it's a bit of a side quest this one. It's a bit it's, it's No. You, the thing is, whether it is or not, it's we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. It's like last season, how many times did people say that stuff was side quests in there for it to now be the most important shit that we've seen? Yep. So like episode five is the one that people say, oh, it's filler, there's nothing to it. All the shit that's happening now, everything that people loved about, obviously, we can say who showed up in the last episode, can't we? Yeah, man. We said it last week. Obviously, all the stuff with Cobb Vance showing up and now all the stuff with Boba showing up all leads back to that episode five of last season that everybody said had no consequence is mm-hmm. all revolving around that. So yep. 
wait, wait and see. And everything, everything that you're thinking about this episode, everything that you think's not worth the time or whatever, wait and see. We don't know what the purpose of that episode was yet. There hasn't been one episode in this series that has been without purpose, even when we go on a little side mission. I don't know about you, mate, but I called this as well. I speak to the old Beth cake about this. I did, I did, I'm Craig. annoyed I didn't record it because I said, everybody kept saying, oh, I can't wait to see what happens with Boba next episode. I said straight away, we will not see Boba next episode. They showed him at the end of that, and now he's going to go do something else, and then we, then he's going to be introduced in maybe a couple episodes' time. I don't even think we'll see him in the next one. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to see him either. I think they've, they've teased him, so we know he's out there now. Yeah, um, that's, that's what they've done, haven't they? Yeah. And if they want to bring him back, they they will do. And I agree, mate. Chapter six from last episode, last season as well, played into this one yeah. as well, big time. Yeah. And like we mentioned on that, my, my boy Lukey boy on from the sessions mentioned that it's part of the story. This, this is a story. It's not like a, this isn't a film. This is an, an ongoing story. So you're, you you need to get a man knows going to get from A to B, but we're going to see how we got from A to B. I.e., yeah. this episode. Everything I mean, that happens to him is the story. It's exactly. I think of people saying, oh, nothing happened in this one. Well, what? Everything that happened in this one is what happened in this one. It's like, I think it was Phil uh, Stosak that brought it up on Twitter and said, like, would you say that every single episode of The Next Generation, Star Trek The Next Generation, is filler? No, yeah. that is no, the no, story. No. The story is what's happening on screen. Yeah, just like, because it isn't big and expansive and uh, new reveals and Game of Thrones-esque twists every week doesn't mean it's, it's a bad episode. got people annoyed with Last Jedi. you all got to stop doing this irresponsibly you've got to stop doing this just fucking let the story happen and experience it stop sitting there going well nothing happened i predicted this this and this would happen and it didn't happen stop doing that and you're ruining stop bringing what you want to it because yeah. it's wait to see what you're given and then realize that it's probably better than what we, you wanted all, in the first we place we all do it like i said it's, it's about it's about it's about responsive speculation we 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 responsible speculation to say, we sit here and say, oh, we think Boba Fett's going to show. If Boba Fett shows up next episode, I'm not going to be like, no, just let the story happen and then then see what you feel about it. The reason people say nothing happened, they don't mean nothing happened. They mean what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. Same people who said, yeah, with like Last Jedi, oh, nothing happened in it. No, the reveals just weren't what you predicted. Well, the characters didn't work like you wanted them to be. Therefore, it's a bad film. No, that's, that's not how... Film or well, storytelling gotta, works. Gotta I, stop doing this. I watched the Last Jedi this week. It's one of the films I watched actually, mate. I had a ninety-minute discussion with my boy JB John Burke from Burke Review. Shout out. We spoke about the Last Jedi from a film fan point of view, not as Star Wars fans, but as a film. Why? Why do people hate this film? You know, what's wrong? Uh, the criticisms of it, the pros and cons, how it plays into a a film saga, and that is really, really, really good conversation. I, I think ninety percent of it is down to this is for me, obviously, is down to all the speculation videos that, There's that led and people I, to believe, oh, this will happen, this will happen. Two words, Luke Skywalker. That, I think yeah. Luke Skywalker's portrayed magnificently the way they wrote him, but mm-hmm. that was make or break for a lot of people. Hashtag not my Luke, Jake Skywalker. Luke. Luke Skywalker wouldn't run away. Luke Skywalker was a hero. Luke Skywalker is one of the weakest heroes there is. The problem with people who just dislike the decisions, not all. Just It's the same with Mando as what we're saying about this as well. You didn't like it. You just didn't like it. That's fine. But come on, man. Yeah. You can call the, if you call The Last Jedi a bad film, I, I implore you to go out and watch more films that aren't Star Wars or Marvel or whatever it is you're watching. Because come Silent on. Silent Revelation. Exactly. We've covered some of the worst films ever in the 13 Any episodes Resident we've done. Evil film. Yes, exactly. So go and watch some of those and tell me that 
But anyway, I'll get off my high horse. Uh, Last Jedi, I watched that. Uh, enjoyed that a lot. It gets better each time I watch it. Um, and I've been watching a few films in the 60s for an episode of Movie Astrology next month, 1968. So I watched um, another King of Cool, Steve McQueen, in a film called Bullets. And I re-watched, I rewatched Night of the Living Dead. I've seen that many, many, many times. Uh, rewatched that. And I watched a film by Ingrid Bergman with uh, Max von Sydow in it. It's called Night of the Wolf. Um, so I'll... Is that the one you were telling me about? Uh, no, it wasn't actually, no. Oh. But I thought you told me about something called something like that. What I was the other do. one you um, recommended to me? Relic. That was the one, yeah. Uh, Relic. Uh, but Night of the Wolf, uh, I'll, I'll save all my... Just for just for uh, respect to that show, I'm going to save my thoughts for that show. But um, so I've been digging 1968, or have I, recently, catching up on the Star <laughs> Wars. Been reading From a Certain Point of View, Strikes Back. Again, thank you ah, to Delray yeah. UK for sending that. Um, it's like 600 pages to read in that. Like, Hey, Delray, okay, if you're listening, hook me up with a book too. That would be sweet. Hook up this hunk. Um, but yeah, I've read like almost 600 pages in about 18 hours because to wow. get that out. Um, That's what I sort of gave you that headache. Yeah, thanks for, thank you, Mr. Postman, for being late. Um, other than that, mate, not an awful lot. Obviously, check it out at footy. Go listen to MPM Extra Time. Every Tuesday, we drop a you know, 60 to 90 minute, or well, 45 to 90 minute episode. I don't know what to do with all the time this weekend. Exactly, it's been watching the footy, mate. But so we we, we uh, catch up on what's happened on the soccer, the English Premier League in the last weekend, so we don't bleed into this show. NPM Extra Time, go check that out. Check out our socials. We'll give those links shortly for uh, where you can find that. But that's pretty much all I've been watching, mate. I think that's us, mate. I think we're done. I think we're done. I think we're ready to uh, punch it, Chewy. Um, that is, uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 13 as much as we enjoyed doing it. Outlaw Josie Wales, boss. Do you know what, mate? I, je- I cannot wait to do another one of these episodes because the potential is immeasurable as hey, credit. I've got an idea. Do I grab the book now, we pick one now, and then whenever it comes up, that's the one we're watching? Well, we do actually have a spare slot because... Well, actually, no, so tell a lie. I did watch another film this week. It's called Peninsula. Train to Busan presents Peninsula uh, for the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And that was kind of why we, we've shifted things around a little bit. But um, yeah. but I watched that this week. Um, no spoilers, top level. It's fine. Yeah, um, a lot of people are saying me. A lot of people are saying it's a bit too mental. Train to Busan is a lot better um it's by the same director so um we do have a slot in the next like, i don't know six seven weeks i think or whatever it might be for another film so grab the book you hunk and let's do second, it ladies we, and gents because we have the potential here to either get like, like a classic we could have watched josie wales and thought well that was bloody awful and spent an hour saying how crap it is we could find the most laughably bad film we could find a film which is so far out of our wheelhouse it hurts but we may end up loving that film. We might get a musical from the 30s next, which we're going to think, oh, wow. But we may end up loving that film. So it, the it's so exciting, the potential. I've returned with the book, so... Right. What is the final page number? The final page number? I will put a picture out on the socials for you guys, so you can... Um, yep, so we need a Josie Wales picture and whatever well. this one is. Yeah, if you can pick this book up as well, that'll be cool, because then you'll know with us. Play along. Yes, uh, or maybe you guys could pick us a page. No, because you're going to pick a purposeful shit one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so nine four nine's the last page, mate. Right. Um, well, I picked the number for this one. So if you've got the book close, mate, go ahead and shout what number you're going to pick. Let me just find the first page. Number. Oh yeah, so you know what number not to pick. So nine four nine's the 
last. The first page, obviously can't pick this one. Uh, the first page is 26, so it's Le Voyage dans la Lune. See, we could have been watching that, see? So, um, okay, so 26 to 949. Dan, let me hear you close that book. It's closed. There it is. Pick a number, mate, and then this is our next, whenever we do the next 1001 episode, this is what it's going to be. Pick a number. Shout it out loud. 440. But the rule that we've done is, because obviously there's sometimes multiple films on one page, It's if I pick 440, it's whatever the top left is. 440, guys. We will publish a picture. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 440 is a film called... Oh, God. It's a film called Il Vangelo Secondo Matteo, The Gospel According to St. Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm... This early work by Pierre Paolo Pasolini, drawing freely from religious, Marxist, and neo-realist traditions will forever change your perception of a biblical epic. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck you've just said there, but... I mean, right. So we're watching Il Macchio Saint right. Biblical Epicio next. I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna make a new rule on the fly. Yep. Just in case that one's arse, you now pick a number as well. Um, but if it's arse, so... no. I mean, in arse in the sense that we watch it and go, I don't know what we're going to talk about for an hour. <laughs> right. Okay. Um. Um. Right. So that, we'll that... still watch it. We'll still watch it. But you that, know is, I mean. that is that is plan. That is number one though. That's that is it now. So that's the first one. This is a backup now. So we can't change it. Um, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for 516, 516. 516. Yeah. So I, we will talk about that film regardless, like, like we said, but, uh, if we can't fill up the time, we'll talk about this one as well, is what we're saying. Cause I don't know how much I'll have to say about a biblical epic. I'm not an expert. You never know. <laughs> Oh, 5.16, did you say? 5.16. The Wild Bunch from 1969. (laughs) A Hemingway-esque answer to Eric Segalish Western revisionism of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. (laughs) Yeah. So this basically basically saying next time I've got to choose. So first thing, we've got to watch um, Il St. Mafico, and then um, I'll have that. I'm I'm, I'm only going to watch that first one, and then when we put our heads together... If it's decided that we're only going to get 10 minutes convo, I'm going to check yes. out that one as well. Exactly, yes. All right, so That's what was the name of the first one again, mate? Just for our listeners to watch along with us. Yeah, because now you guys can watch it and think, oh, was this any good or But what? it could also be one of the best films you've ever seen. It was Il Vangelo Secondo Matteo. It's an Italian film. It's what you come to MPM for, isn't it? <laughs> No, but it's what you are going to come to MPM for. Yeah, but again, it's a like I say, a little sort of like unofficial mini series. Uh, it's not mini series; it's one thousand and one episode series. Um, it's literally a thousand and one episodes up from this. Um, yeah, which we're going to sprinkle in. It got Oscar nominations for the for the art direction, costume, and music. So, uh... so it's going to look good and sound good at least by the sounds of it. But all right, mate. Well, you'll have to uh, text that over to me because I've already forgotten what it's called and. Get, get on to that for whenever it is we do it. So it will be in the next few months, guys. <laughs> this, so. this book's selection of films are going to be a blessing and a curse. 
you'll see it when I put it up there. It's not some kind of like pop culture, 80s favourite. It's just literally selected and written by international leading critics. So, it's a tome, isn't it? Yes, it's 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 not based on just like action or horror or anything. It is every if film. If you wanted ever. to expand, not you, but people, me and everyone, expand film watching, uh, like the, the scope and variety then... This is going to come in handy, man, because, again, that is a film we probably would never have watched, but we're going to watch it now. So regardless, a, It was in a charity shop, and there was a bunch of, obviously, pages folded, folded over from somebody who was actually sitting and trying to watch every single one. They folded over a, hell of a, a thing. lot of pages as well. Regardless of whether we like the film or not when we watch it, we've now seen it. So it's it's a film which we probably never have seen, but we're yeah. going to watch it. So this book is you know, it's, it's opening our horizons that little bit more, mate. So you know when you're in the bar with your mates and they go, hey, uh, Keith, have you ever seen Il Vangelo Secondo Matteo? You go, yes, Keith, I have, yeah, it's a good I actually film. have seen it. And he'll be like, oh, I thought I was the only one. And then you can get on the phone and say, actually, this guy, I've seen it as well. And then everyone in the pub will say, I've seen it. But you never know, I'm going to have an open mind, mate. If, if, anyone, if anyone out there has actually seen that film and is it, let, you know, let us know what you think. Don't spoil it, but let us know what you think. sounded like uncultured swines right now. Let us know. Uh... Yeah. Well, I'm t- I like the idea of checking out, you know me, I watch any film that comes to yeah, me. I yeah, love yeah. film. But... It was just funny. I was like thinking in my head, it's like, what What could there be here that like would... would Godfather draw... films is going to be or something. Yeah, and it was like, oh, an Italian religious epic. <laughs> I've got, I have no qualms of it, so... Um... No, no. Uh, right, mate. Well, I, that, I think that's our show then. So, so at some point... Check us out for our biblical epic episode. But we, before that, we've got a hell of a lot of funky pop culture stuff coming in the lead up to what's going to be a wicked end of year selection we've got for you guys. December, especially uh, certainly the latter half is going to be so good. Oh, so. it's going to be so good. Yeah, I've just remembered what we're doing. No, mate, it's going to be quality. But uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening. And if the world wants to find us online, and uh, firstly, where can I find you online? You can find me at Ant Shop first across everything. I know I keep saying this. I am sorry. The streams are coming back. I'm trying to set up a bunch of stuff so that it, it there's a big boost in quality on the streams and you haven't just got to just look at a blank game screen and uh, listen to my dumb voice talk shit for hours on it. So, um, yeah, we'll be sorting that out. And, uh, yeah, Ant Shot First everywhere. So just give it a search. Yep, check it out. It's going to look awesome when it's done. Find me what I watch tonight across all the socials, what I watch tonight.co.uk for uh, all the other good stuff regarding me. Uh, but more importantly, if you want to follow the show, Moving Picture Madness, you can do across uh, Twitter, across Instagram, across Facebook, everywhere at MP Madness Pod. MP Madness Pod. You'll find us on there. You'll find the polls we put up. You're going to find the pictures from this book Ant's got, so you'll see that we're telling the truth. Show uh, show promos. We ask for your opinions on upcoming films so we can shout them out. It's all going to be uh, on our socials, so do uh, follow us on there and check us out. But uh, until our next episode, mate, from me, see ya, and from Ant, peace. Peace.